welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, A.J. Riley, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Bassett, bringing you the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What up, webheads? Along with Paul Roshan, Ryan Griffin, AJ Riley, I'm Matt Bass, and welcome to Sports Carnage. So let's dive right into the diamond. Yes. We've got our CSs are set, and we have to start with what happened last night. Dodgers, Giants, Game 5. First time these two storied franchises have ever met in the postseason, yeah. which is crazy in its own right. It is. The two best records in baseball by far. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're facing off in the division because they are in the same damn division. Right. And as opposed to doing a 1-4 kind of swap around with best records and all that, no, this is the way baseball is right now. It's still a five-game series, which I think is ridiculous. ridiculous. I, you know, 100%. I want more sports anyway. Give me a seven-game series for the DS. You're only playing two rounds anyway. That wild card doesn't count as a one-game thing. Just put it to seven already. We want the more baseball. You give us 162 games throughout the year, you figure you can give us a seven-game series for the actual playoffs. Yeah. But the way this series ended with a (laughs) check swing by Wilson Ramos that was absolutely a check. He did not go... And he is called out after a you know review by the you know an appeal to the first base ump, and that is how you end a series between two teams yeah. that each won 109 games to this point. Yeah, yeah, it, it's ridiculous to me. Look, I mean, let's be honest. Wilson Ramos would he have gotten a hit off of Max Scherzer? We don't know, right? And maybe that's what's no, the, the worst thing is that you no, know, I mean he's over 17 lifetime against Max Scherzer, so. It's it's one of those situations where you're like, we don't know if it would have happened, but we were robbed of the chance for it to happen. And, you know, I was watching, and I saw it, and I was like, there's no way he caught it. Like, it's almost on the same level as a Jim, uh, Jim Joyce call. Like, it's <laughs> not it's not the same. It's not the same, okay? And Jim Joyce is still the worst call of all time. But this is a... Division Series, Game 5, bottom of the ninth moment, and you took the bat out of the guy's hands. Mm-hmm. It's one thing if he stood there looking at a pitch and it was a called third strike. It's a completely different right. thing to be 95 to 100 feet away and call him out on a check swing. Complete, right. like, just insanity. Do I love it? I don't love it. I was pulling for the Giants. They were actually who I picked to win last night to beat the Dodgers. And I wanted them to win just for the sole fact that freaking um, Robertson started relievers. He bullpened the Game 5 game again. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want that to work out, keep working out for him. I don't want that to keep working, because it shouldn't, right? (laughs) Did he start with his closer? He started with, with a reliever. He started with Corey Kniebel, which... I don't know if he's been closing for them because they still have Jensen. But, yeah, what a uh, – and he made that switch, like, earlier in the day, too. Mm-hmm. I don't, so it's just – it was strange. But 
you know, it could. It's such a shame, too. Yeah, I don't like him. It's a great game. It's a great game. You got zeros across the board till we get to the six. The Dodgers finally get stuff working. Mookie with a single, and then he steals second base, and then a double drives him in, and Dodgers are on the board, and everyone's feeling great in L.A., and the Giants come right back, leadoff hitter with a solo shot to tie it right back up at one, and then we're zeros through the seventh, zeros through the eighth. I mean, it's a great game. It's a classic baseball game. Yep. Between two of the greatest historical teams in baseball. Right. The two teams that started the Western expansion of baseball, leaving New York to go to San Francisco and to go to Los Angeles. Yep. And it just ends in the most anticlimactic, are you freaking kidding me yep. way to end a game 100%. and a series. Yeah. It's just, it's just brutal. Bru- yeah, Absolutely and it, brutal. and it's one of those things that, like, I get it, right? When you have umpires and it's human error like that's gonna happen but it's just it's it's just a lack of situational awareness it's the same thing as that's why i say it's akin to the the jim joyce thing because Mm -hmm. like come on man seriously like the worst thing the worst thing as an umpire that can happen to you is for your name to be known the worst thing you are not supposed to be known as an umpire so for your name to be known in that situation, like, golly, it's just bad. But the Giants are golfing, and the Dodgers are moving on to play the Braves. And that's where we're at. All right. Nothing we can do about that. And that, that is where we're at. So, so quick recap for everyone who doesn't know, if you're not watching baseball, I feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. But the Braves took care of the Brewers in four games. The Red Sox upset the AL East divisional rival best record on the AL side, Tampa Bay Rays, in four games. Did they even play at Tropicana Field? Because I feel like every time I went to watch that series, they were playing in Fenway. (laughs) Well, you know, the Boston fans travel, and there's a lot of snowbirds and stuff. It's not the wintertime yet. But a lot of Boston people have homes in Tampa Bay and Miami and Fort Lauderdale and stuff. So they travel, and Tampa Bay, I mean, both Florida teams, right. Miami as right. well. Neither one has a phenomenal fan base, no. you know. So you're going to get those road fans in there, and it's you know, it, it, look, it's the shame on the citizens of those cities. I don't blame Tampa Bay. I don't blame Miami. Shame on you who live in Miami and Tampa Bay that don't root for your team. Right. I guess it's because you all come from somewhere else. So right. No one is actually from there to grow up with this team. I don't know. But you're going to have, especially when it's a Red Sox or a Yankees or a Cardinals, someone mm-hmm. like that, you are going to have a big fan base that travels for them yeah. on their road games. Uh, but it was still a stunner considering, you know, no one expected, you know, no, not many expected the Red Sox to get by the Yankees in the one game playoff. They did. And then they upset the best record in all of the American League in only four games. They didn't even get it to a five games. They just beat them up yeah. in four games. I know. So. On the a- and then, of course, the Houston Astros yep. having no problems whatsoever with the Chicago White Sox winning that one in four games in dominant fashion to send yeah. them home, what, 10-1, to 1, I think, in game four? Yeah. That Astros team is really good. That Astros team is really good. And, I, you know, at some point we're going to have to talk about, you know, the cheating scandal and how this didn't make this team because all that scandal stuff is long dead and gone. And this team is still here. This team is still fighting for a chance to be in the World Series. Uh, It should be a very fun series between the Astros and the Sox, the two teams in the AL that got hit with this cheating scandal. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of signs dealing. So we got a rematch of the National League Championship Series from last year. Yep. Los Angeles Dodgers, who won the World Series yep. against the Atlanta Braves. A great seven-game series last year. A little different Braves squad this time around. Yep. Uh, and we got to talk about... We got to talk about what this Braves team did this year to get to this point. Incredible. It's it's absolutely just, incredible. Talking about a team that they lose Marcelo Azuna in in May. Yeah. In May, AJ. The yeah. season is just barely underway, and they lose Azuna. Then they lose Ronald Acuna, yeah. who was playing MVP caliber baseball at yeah. the time, to a torn ACL right before the All-Star break. Yeah. And this team at that time, with all these great players, wasn't even above 500. Right. They had not spent a single day above 500, AJ. And then their general manager, Alex Anthopoulos, yep. made – he went – I mean, for, for all of us Piston fans out there, he went Trader Jack <laughs> on Major League Baseball. And he went out and brought in Jock Peterson from the Cubs, mm-hmm. who has not played that much in the field. He's really kind of been like a DH for them. Yeah. As well as acquiring basically an entire new outfield to get this team from a 52 and 55 mark entering August, under 500, mm-hmm. to get to 88 and 73 at a six and a half game win on the NL East for their fourth straight NL East title. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable, and but it's but it's great. It's great for oh, it's the great fans story. of Atlanta. Ronald Acuna aside, right? Like, imagine what this team would be if he were still playing the ball that he was playing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, okay, would they have gone and gotten Duvall? Maybe not. Uh, I think they probably still would have gotten Peterson. Um, but I just, like, if I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, I'm I'm excited for what the next few years hold because, again, isn't this their, like, fourth division in a row or something like that yeah fourth straight nl east title and this is a team that we grew up with owning yeah. oh yeah the nl east owning the nl east I but mean, and, it, and it's 14 straight division titles at one point the braves have always had a special place in my heart like you just said because we grew up with them on tbs with skip carry and tbs and baby don sutton <laughs> right um and so like it's fun and exciting to watch them play well um and like i, I think they're going to beat the dodgers I hope they. I'm really? rooting. I'm rooting for them to beat the Dodgers. Yeah, I, at I'm some for point. Them too. <laughs> at some point, Dave Robertson's luck is going to run out. It, it, the luck's going to run it's, out. I mean, this is a Dodgers team that has six straight wins when facing elimination. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. But at some like this run that the Dodgers have had has been incredible for them in a franchise it's, it's been their i think it's their best run in franchise history. oh yeah this is a absolutely team that hadn't been to back-to-back playoff series right hadn't made the playoffs in back-to-back years right up until a few years ago and here's here's but at some point it has to come to an end and i think we start to see that happening this year uh it, it very well could be i hope so i you know i've been I've been a Braves fan since I was eight years old. Eight years old. My my little league team was the Braves. My dad was the manager. That's right around the time when you start paying more attention yep. to sports. Mm-hmm. Kind of start learning more For about sure. you know who your who your teams are and all that. And I've always been a fan of great pitching. And that Braves staff, you know, in the 1990s was, in my mind, the best I've ever seen. Oh yeah. For one, two, 100%. three, you're hard pre- you're hard pressed to find a better. We've seen some good ones. The Tigers had a damn good one, two, three in the in the 2010s. Dodgers do um, right now. You know, 
Dodgers do right now. The Sox had a damn good one for a while. The Yankees had a great one for a while. But for my money, yeah. between Maddox, Smoltz, and, and Glavin, I, I I just think it, it's a it's a hard time saying you're going to beat that one two three with another one two three. I agree. And then you know David Justice on the offensive side. I was a big fan of David Justice as a kid as well. Chipper. Uh, and just like you said, growing up watching them on TBS, yeah. it was easy to become a fan of theirs, especially because when we were a kid, our Tigers were not good. They were not good. <laughs> And so you usually go find a team to root alongside your team. And in baseball, I think it's kind of popular to have an AL team and, and an, an NL, NL team. team. Yeah. You know? But see, so they worked out really well for all the different They weren't my NL break. team, though. They were my second NL team. My NL team was the Cubs because that's who I would – that's who I'd come home and watch with Harry Carey and Steve Stone. And Mark Grace was my favorite player. And my, like, distant cousin pitched for them. So it was like – Oh, was, nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> You remember the name Kevin Tappany by any chance? Uh, I do. Yep, that's my dad's like second cousin. Tappany was on that worst of first Minnesota Twins team that beat the Braves in mm. 93, 92, I think, with Jack Morris. Uh, and all no, that. 91. 91, yeah, with Jack Morris and all that. Yeah, so Kevin was part of that, and then he went eventually over to the Cubs. So, all right. Well, you AJ, you and I are both uh, we're both chopping on yep. as we root for the Braves Absolutely. here uh, to take down the Dodgers. I, I hope you're right. I I hope we have another great series because last year was a great series. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I, I'm always up for more baseball. So uh, you know, I'm hoping another another very fun seven game series. And if we do get a great series, mm-hmm. you can bet that the second baseman <laughs> for both of these teams are going to play a huge factor, actually, for pretty much all of these teams. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a revival of a singular position. The, the second base position this year in baseball, AJ, I mean, you talk about some of these names. The ones we know, Jose Altuve, we know about Jose Altuve. Ozzy Albies has been fantastic for the Braves. Trey Turner, batting title with the Dodgers. Yeah. And also the sweetest slide of all time. Oh, yeah, that really is. He was slow. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to find a smoother one than that outside of watching a Michael Jackson music video. Right. But the second baseman in this season, I mean, these names, I mean, Jonathan India, Brandon Lowe, Jorge Polanco, Javi Baez, uh, Marcus Simeon. I mean, just unbelievable revival of one position for all of these great players to come out and just steal the show in the 2021 baseball season. Right. Yeah, it's interesting, but it's kind of how the game's changed, right? Um, traditionally, your second baseman was that you know leadoff number two hitter that would get a guy over, mm-hmm. you know, hit singles, hit high average, high on base percentage. I'm, names that come to mind, right? Mickey Morandini, Mark Lemke, um, uh, I think even Jeff Blauser for the Cubs played a little bit of time there, right? Uh, Lou Whitaker, mm-hmm. right? These, these names, like, that's what the second base position used to be. Uh, even Joe Morgan. Um, Roberto, or not Roberto, but, uh, yeah, Roberto Alomar. Um, like, that's what that position was. But it's interesting in those names that you mentioned because we talk about the game changing. Over half of the names that you mentioned are actually shortstops that have moved to right. second base. That have moved to second base. Right? Yeah. So it's so it's like Bias, he's a shortstop, right? Simeon, he was a shortstop. Mm-hmm. Trey Turner, he was a shortstop. And so it it's I don't think it's necessarily like a revival of the second base position. I think it's like almost an extinction of the second baseman. And uh let's get our better <laughs> athlete technically, 
better like because the, the old adage is your best athlete plays shortstop right your best hitter your right. best athlete plays shortstop so if you got two of them on the roster we'll put one at first base one at second base great or i mean one at shortstop one at second base great it works out right so i don't know if there's really something to be said about that other than the fact that you've got all these kids growing up playing shortstop and hitting the way that they hit and that's just kind of where they get slotted in um yeah because like whatever team, and, and, whatever and those, team, I mean, whatever team Javi signs with this off season, he's probably going to play shortstop. Whatever team Marcus Simeon signs with this off season, he's probably going to play shortstop unless he goes back to the Blue Jays. Uh, Trey Turner, I don't know how what he has um, left on his contract, but like, I think that's kind of the, you know, it's just kind of more of an outlier of a season than I think really a precursor. Well, yeah, I mean, these guys that we're talking about here, I mean, you know, Simeon was a shortstop in Oakland, mm-hmm. went to Tampa, went to uh, Toronto, yep. became a second baseman. Yeah. Trey Turner was a shortstop in Washington, second baseman in Los Angeles. Yep. Javi Baez was a shortstop with the Cubs, went to the Mets, took over second base there. Yep. And, we're, you know, home runs out the, you know, out the gate. I mean, Simeon with 45 home runs to lead the group. Baez with 31, Trey Turner had 28 to go with 32 steals, and the batting title hitting 328. Yeah, I mean Albies with 30 home runs. You know all these guys. You know Jorge Polanco. You know 33 home runs. That that's not like you said. It's not something you would normally see from your second baseman. It is something you would see from a shortstop. And yeah. Just for whatever reason, just you're only moving over. You know, 30, 30 feet. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, that's, the position uh, makes a huge difference. Those kind of like role guys are starting to phase themselves out. You know what I mean? Like everybody has the launch angle. Everybody's looking for you know these these more high scientific analytic swings, and so like I think you're gonna start to see those kind of more role players like a Mickey Morandini or a Mark Lemke that like kind of start to phase themselves out which is a shame so truthfully all right so we, we got to talk about what's coming up yep so the the american league championship series mm-hmm. it's the houston astros it's the boston red sox yeah alex cora part of that houston ball club before going to boston yep. had to miss the last year because of the scandal came back has brought his team back to where he was when he left them. I mean, last time Alex Cora was managing the Red Sox, they won the World Series. Yep. So we've got Cora going up against his former team. We got Dusty Baker, who made a huge name for himself in San Francisco all those years ago, mm-hmm. is one stop shy of getting back to the World Series and adding to his Hall of Fame resume. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pick this series. I mean, yeah, it's, the Astros, I think, are, are, the, are the favorite yeah, by a would, slim margin. Yeah, I would think so. But that pitching staff scares me, and not in a good way for the Astros, in a bad way of what the Red Sox can do to that pitching staff. Yeah, but, I mean, that pitching staff of the Astros is not a bad pitching staff. I mean, they lost Cole, they no, lost Verlander, and yet still were among the tops in the you know, I mean, and, and McCullers is in ER. Yeah, and McCullers too. He's out for the the CS. What I, I think it, it's going to all come down to timely hitting, right? I mean, you got two rotations that are, I wouldn't say dominant, but I wouldn't say horrible because they wouldn't be at this place if they were horrible. And it's all going to be about who shows up with the lumber, like who puts the ball in play and puts the pressure on the defenses. 
Um, if if the Astros go up there like the Yankees did in that wild card game and just let Nathan Avaldi just run through them, and it's going to be a long series for the Astros. I do think that ultimately, though, I think the Astros are the better ball club. I think that the Astros will then end up getting to that World Series for Dusty Baker. And Dusty Baker is literally the only reason I would root for the the Astros to... For the Astros? Yeah. <laughs> just because, like, I think that guy's been a really good manager for a long time, and he's always been just short of that championship. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things I wouldn't want hanging over his head. I want him to, yeah, get, I I mean, want him to get one. Dusty Baker's got himself a roster in Houston. You know, all the scandal, all that crap, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, you still got Carlos Correa. You still got Jose Altuve. This is a good roster that this Houston Astros has, has built up. And it they is. know what they're doing here. Yeah. They've been here before. Sure. This isn't this isn't a spotlight that's going to scare them. No. And, like, I, I think we talked about the NL a little bit, too. Like, I think we have the making of two really good series. I wouldn't be surprised if both of these series go at least six games. Potentially, hopefully for you know baseball fans, they both go seven games. Um, I think that's important. Um, like, and I think that it's one of those things that you look at and you're like, these are going to be some really good baseball games coming up. And ultimately, I think that we end up with the Braves and the Astros in the World Series. I mean, for for the AL side, you know, for for the for the the casual fan, they're in a they're in a sticky situation here because yeah, you can't justify rooting for the Astros if you have this hang up on the cheating scandal, on right. the sign stealing. Unless you caveat it by saying you're only rooting for them because of Dusty Baker, because I still think they right. cheated, but I'm rooting for them for Dusty Baker. But on the other side. You've got, you know, one of the teams that has become the evil empire. They're no longer the lovable losers. You know, the Boston Red Sox, right. you know, shed that label, you know, in yeah. 2004. For sure. Able to come back against the Yankees from three down, first yeah. time and only time so far that it's happened in baseball. And they have won quite a few World Series since the 21st century began. And it's you're in a, a, a tough situation there as a casual fan of who are you rooting for on the AL side? The NL side's easier. The Braves are the easy team to root for in the NL because the Dodgers are absolutely the evil empire right now on the National League side of things. So it's easy for casual fans to not want to root for LA. They can pick Atlanta. The AL side, you've got to kind of toss a coin of what's more important to you because you got to pick someone to root for this because you got no other choice. Yeah, no, I agree. But I'm calling it. I'm calling it Astros Braves, and honestly, I think the Astros just have too much firepower. So if I were to pick a World Series winner, I'd go with Houston. As much as I don't want to, that's where I would go. All right. Well, I know you got more important things to get to, so we're gonna <laughs> let you leave. Thank, Thank you, you. Again for jumping in to join the podcast. Appreciate you. Uh, hopefully, you can uh, you can join us for the whole show next week. Absolutely, that's the plan. All right. Diving right into the gridiron for the first time this year, Paul. I am not going to lump our Michigan State Spartans and Michigan Wolverines together. I love you. Because unlike your Michigan Wolverines, my Michigan State Spartans, Ryan's Michigan State Spartans had no trouble whatsoever with these Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Meanwhile, your Michigan Wolverines... Did have a little bit of trouble in that second half out there at Lincoln, Nebraska, where the Cornhuskers gave your Wolverines less, everything you could handle and then some in that second less half. Less trouble Paul, than y'all you, had Paul, at home. You have 
not really. Absolutely. Excuse me. Excuse me. It was pretty me. damn close. No, it, it was, was not. Hold on. No, no. And See, for someone it's who has done nothing already. but shit talk, these Cornhuskers all year, how they are not good. Paul, your Wolverines, who are supposed to be good, had some real struggle with this Cornhusker right, bunch. How do you to respond say. to this, I'm Paul I'm going to first respond to you, then I'm going to yell at you, then I'm going to respond more. Uh, <laughs> I will give the Cornhuskers a teeny bit of credit on a couple things. Um, one, I think the scumbags played hard. They didn't give up. So I guess there's something to be said for that. Uh, two, I have never contended that Michigan is this great team this year. I haven't. I think they were pretty solid. Um, I don't know how good we are still. It's story of the year. I don't know if I'll know how good we are until the end of November when we play Ohio State, to be honest, for several reasons. Um, but we are solid. We're definitely a solid team. Uh, Eighth-ranked team in the country, I think, is where we're at right now. Uh, I don't know if we're that solid. Uh, but we're, we're pretty good. Nebraska, I have dumped on all season. Right? All uh, season. All all entire time that Nebraska's been in the if, Big Ten. <laughs> that that actually might be accurate as well. Uh, worse than Scott Frost got there, because he's a flaming pile of garbage. They can't coach his way out of a paperback. But if you were to take out the... Because Dylan likes to do this thing where the first game of the season doesn't count. And I get it to an extent, but it, it still happened. But if you were to throw out the first game of the season, I think it was game one. I really hope it is. Yeah, it was. Stupid. It was. It was week zero, considered consider the, oh, so the college wasn't football even spectrum. It was uh, week Nebraska zero. Nebraska lost to Illinois. And Nebraska got their ass handed to them by Illinois. For the actually, yeah, it was minutes. a bad loss on top of it. Um, Illinois is not a good football team. They're actually a really bad football team. So that was a rocky start. If you if that loss didn't happen, um, you would be looking at a Cornhusker team that had a narrow loss to Oklahoma who I think is a top five team mm-hmm. or something like that. A, a, a loss, a, not just a narrow loss to Michigan State, a loss that on the road at Michigan State, they actually gave the game away. They literally, they had snatched, the game. Snatched they the defeat had the game from the jaws of victory. And they just gave it away. And this is a top 10 Michigan State team. So they lost, just gave the <laughs> yeah, game away. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, just, just like Michigan's top eight, right? Like we got to go by current rankings. We right. both agree that we're probably Just like Oklahoma's top five. <laughs> Well, Oklahoma with their new quarterback. That's, no, no, that's they, they, yeah, maybe. they're still not top. We'll five. see. I don't know. But so narrow, narrow gave a game away against top ten Michigan State on the road, and then now blew two fourth quarter leads. Um, literally coughed up. I think would be a good word to use in this situation. Uh, the game against Michigan. At home at night. That's right. That was top that was Michigan. the first time all season that you guys have been trailing. Trailing, and we did it twice all year. Twice in the same and game. The audacity. Twice in the same By this game. Bum ass Nebraska squad. The audacity. If if you were to just have those three losses and Illinois never happened, you could argue, someone could make the argument, that Nebraska might be a really darn good football team that has played a really I mean hard people schedule. have been. You've been the one who's been like, I don't know what these guys are seeing. I'm playing devil's advocate right now. <laughs> okay. I the only credit that I will give is that Nebraska is a little bit, and I am talking, I am not, this is not haterade, because it is in my interest to prop Nebraska up, because we just struggled with them, okay? So I don't, this is not help me say, oh, Michigan's good, look what we did in Nebraska, if I don't give them credit. They are a little bit, like a very small amount better than I thought. First of all, the Illinois loss did happen. 
And I understand that if they played again today, Nebraska would probably win by a couple touchdowns. But that still happened. That is still in them. Like, the, the, the worst of them is capable of getting handled by Illinois. That's not good. Good football teams cannot get handled by Illinois. Like, that could never it was happen. the first half of the first it, game. It could never happen in a thousand tries, okay? If Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State or Iowa played Illinois a thousand times, they're never losing the game. It's not happening. So, we already know that their floor is, is really bad, right? Oklahoma... It's probably overrated. Probably, right? Uh, definitely overrated. Uh, they were down, what, 28-7 to 7 to Texas? They were. But then they found the a great comeback. You know, I, you know I'd never like Spencer Rydler. So, uh, if, if they struggled because he Don't sucks, say his name correctly. I can understand that. <laughs> How do you say it? Rattler? Rattler. Yeah, there's no E in between Rattler. the T and the L. Rattler. You know, he does. He is basically a rat. So, that makes a lot of sense, actually. We, we both agree, me and you do, Ryan probably doesn't, we both agree that Michigan and Michigan State are both, at this point, probably overrated. Um, Very much so. Now, the way it works in college football it's when you haven't lost a game, even if you haven't played anybody. It's not their fault, but it, it's just the way we are. Like, they haven't proven that they're top 10 teams, but whatever. So, I think those, those losses, wins, they haven't beaten anybody. They haven't. Nebraska, I'm talking. Michigan should have beaten Nebraska by probably 20 points. The amount of nonsense garbage that had to happen to keep Nebraska in that game all night is, it's enough to fill a book. And Dylan said this last week many times to me. He said, you're going to be mad. He said, BS happens in Lincoln at night. Um, as Michigan State fans would know, of course. Oh, yeah. Was that, was that a night game in 15? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, stuff just happens. Which, which, which is why they didn't see that man running on the sideline for all those yards. It was at night. It was dark. <laughs> Nebraska <laughs> made a lot of stuff happen with their nonsense, gimmetry, bull. Um, I mean, the... So so much garbage. The officiating crew was horrible. A lot of people get so mad about gimmicky stuff. Like, if you know that you can't beat the team in front of you straight up, 11 on 11, why wouldn't you throw gimmicks in there to try to get an advantage? So, I guess, so what I hate is the hypocrisy, right? So, like, take take the clapping on defense. So, it's, everyone's like, oh, it's a weak call, it's whatever. It is super important that the defense can't clap because the offense claps. For the snap, right? Right. So you're literally using the same signal as the offense. They got multiple false starts off the clapping before it was finally called. Then they did it again later in the game, right? Like, just absurd. You, It's a rule for a reason. Like, the offense, especially in, in a loud environment, they have to be able to function. Like, it's bad football right. if the offense cannot communicate to snap the ball. So if you are shouting out signals or doing whatever you're doing to mimic the offensive signals, it's unsporting. Like, I think we would all agree to that. No? Like, I agree. The clapping, it's, absolutely. It's super annoying, right? So that kind of stuff aggravates me. Like, I'm not talking about, like, oh, their offense is gimmicky because they run the quarterback a lot and they ran the triple option a couple times. And that stuff is, like, whatever. That's whatever you have to do to win. If you're running trick plays, whatever you do. I don't – that's fine. But, like, the stuff like that that's blatantly illegal that you're doing until you can get away with it and then you're still doing afterwards. But what I really hate about it is the officiating. I, I don't – I don't know if they had a touchdown that the officials didn't have a hand in. 
It's just abs- the 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 what led to their first touchdown was us throwing a pick when they were blatantly offsides, went uncalled. Then when they actually scored, they had a blatantly illegal formation. And you would say, oh well, I mean, you got to overcome the refs. Well, so many things in that game went against us, and some of them were preventable. Like, listen, them being offsides, we didn't have to throw an interception, right? Like, he didn't have to throw that pick. Did it affect it? We have no way of knowing. Maybe he saw the guy coming and was like, it's a free play. Or maybe he saw the guy coming and was like, oh, I got to get rid of the ball quickly and made a mistake. I, you, we have no way of knowing. Maybe he just threw a really bad ball. He's not a mistake-prone quarterback. It's his first interception ever. He still should, shouldn't have counted, right? So just a lot of things went against Michigan that night. And it made the score a lot closer than the teams are. And I'm not saying that... Michigan played well enough to blow them out, but it should have been a 20-point victory. It should have. And I don't, that, how close that margin was in the fact that Nebraska did legitimately almost win that game. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Michigan was never in danger. Michigan absolutely almost lost that game. When Nebraska was driving to take the lead near the end of the game, Michigan almost lost that football game. We were certainly in danger of losing the game. But if you step back and just look from, a macro of how that game went and, and really what the score should have been under normal circumstances, I don't think Nebraska is near on par with Michigan. But Paul, so both of our <clears throat> both of our teams struggled in different ways against the Cornhuskers. Only one of our teams struggled and kept it close with Rutgers. And we it didn't, was we didn't struggle, our Michigan State we didn't Spartans, struggle Ryan. against Rutgers. We did not struggle yeah, I mean, against Rutgers. Yeah, That's I mean, not true. It was a seven-point victory? Come on, at home? I mean, come on. We got an 18-point victory on the road. And we, it could have been more. We jumped out to a 20-3 to halftime lead that was inches from being 24-3. to And then we decided, okay, this game is over. And we're going to ice it out. Rutgers never threatened. Like they, it's not like they ever tied or took the lead. They never threatened. No, they got in with the, they got within the score. Why? Because they scored ten points in the second half. Congrats. Yeah. Good, good on that. Ryan, how many points did Rutgers score against Michigan State in the second half? Zero. Zip, zilch, nada. Donut. So yeah, zero. Paul, they couldn't score a single point at home against our Spartans. That's right. Second half team, baby. <laughs> only, only the last what two weeks though. <laughs> no, yeah, not, not against Nebraska not, when you didn't have a first Nebraska. down in the second we're, half. We're an, over, we're an overtime team against Nebraska. <laughs> well, we're well, just letting them get into it. Do it when it matters, Give the fans a show. Do it when it matters. That's right. <laughs> Your defense did it in overtime. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what we're hanging our hat on, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, which is weird, though, because the talk has been about Michigan State's offense, Right. As well um, it should be. We did something that's only been done four other times in history in college football with a 300-yard passer, 200-yard rusher, and 200-yard receiver in one game. Yeah, yeah one, time, one of those times against us. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not surprising. <laughs> it is the team and people that did it are surprising. No, but I will say it, 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 it's definitely surprising. You wouldn't think if you were like, okay, hey, in one year of Michigan State football, they joined the record books as the fifth team ever to have a 300-yard passer, a 200-yard rusher, and a 200-yard receiver. You wouldn't think it would be a Mel Tucker team. <laughs> so in keeping on the scoreboard of the comparing Michigan and Michigan State so far through uh, – Why are we doing same, this? 
Same opponents. Yeah, there is a point yeah. for each side. Michigan looks better <laughs> against Nebraska because they were at least at Nebraska for their almost loss. We were at home for our almost loss. And there's a point for Michigan State in that Michigan State not only took a big lead on Nebraska, I mean Nebraska, on Rutgers, they actually extended that big lead on Rutgers and shut them out in the second half at Rutgers as opposed to holding on for dear life at home like Michigan. I don't for many reasons, several reasons, especially since next week we will get to talk a lot about these teams. Um, I, I don't want to get into this big comparison thing too much, but I do, I do have a question. It's one very important question. Um, do you think teams are best measured how they perform against better teams or against worse teams? That's a tough answer because there's, uh, there's an argument for well, both. Well, Rutgers is the better team, so we don't really Oh, know. my goodness. I, no, I, think, I, think, I think it's very clear that you should be evaluated how you play against the best more than how you play against the worst. I would agree in in the in the in the wide spectrum of it, absolutely. But there is something to be said about not playing down to your competition and continuing to keep pedal of the metal. Okay, but, but I agree. Obviously, at the at the audit, you can also just take the combined scores of both games, like we already the did. Outlier, I will just tell you definitively, Michigan State's better. <laughs> we we I think it is very fair. As much as I poo pooed on them, uh, the Nebraska is definitely better than Rutgers and would beat Rutgers, um, and. It is clear, no matter how you spin it, while both teams struggled, Michigan definitely played Nebraska better than Michigan State did. Um, In Michigan, offense especially, to me at least, was quite impressive against Nebraska. We only gave up 20 points. Um, Will you stop? (laughs) We did. It's facts. (laughs) We only gave up 20 points. You help yourself. Um, But I I don't think – I mean, it really doesn't matter because in two weeks – uh, this story is going to write itself, no matter what we have to say about it. But I, I, I don't know. It, I know I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of talking about it already, probably. right? <laughs> every, every so week. much. It, I, it's just it's clear to me that Michigan is the better team. Well, it's like that. It's it's the post games, and it's you being wrong all these weeks, and I just don't want to hear. <laughs> I have a question, a legitimate question. If Michigan goes into East Lansing and wins by, I don't know, 13 points, where where does all of this uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, that'll be the rest yeah, of the Yeah, that's exactly so, the last thing. The rest right. of the pocket, we understand. I, I, guess, I guess we'll take I was gonna, it. I guess where, we'll, you know. Uh, where does all this <laughs> – You can't do that when it comes. <laughs> where does all this confidence go, Ryan? Does it just – are you just wrapping it up until next year, or what are we doing? Well, I mean, I'm not going to have to worry about it, so I haven't even thought oh, that Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think you should be worried about it. I mean, you, you guys you guys seem to lose a lot and still have a lot of confidence, so tell me how you do it. We haven't lost. What does that even mean? Because every year, every year, you guys been getting your ass whooped, and then you come back the next year. Uh, when is the, the last time Michigan lost more games in a season than Michigan State? I would think 16. I mean, I know 15 for sure, but I would think 16 is probably the last time MSU had a better record than Michigan. Oh. Uh, 16? Yeah, we won three games. In Definitely 16. not 16. Okay, what am I thinking? 17? No. Then it's, then it's 15. Seven. In, in 17, we won, what, 10 games? 17 it could have been. Yeah, so maybe 17 is what I'm thinking of. So it's 18, 19, 21 to five years. All right, how are you counting? Hang on, wait, hold up. Hang on, this is the fourth year. Teams. <laughs> 18, 19, 20. 20, 21. It's 2021, Paul. 
And uh, we're going to be 12-0 right, and 0 and you're going to be 9-3. and 3 Well, no, year. Ryan so, was just talking junk about us losing so many games. It's been four years since we've lost you do. more games. You guys, been, you guys losing us? You're losing everybody. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but every, every, every year, the confidence remains. Real talk, though. I, I do want to give a thank you to the uh, the football gods for giving both Michigan and Michigan uh, State a much easier first half of the season schedule than the second half. Because if they flipped it the other way, both of us would be sitting here with like two or three losses and there wouldn't losses. be nearly this much hype <laughs> coming <laughs> into our game against each other. Because now at worst, at worst, we're each going to have one loss coming into the game against each other it, because you have a bye this week. We have a bye next week. We're both undefeated right now, so at worst we're going to be six and one right, facing let's each be other. Real. At so, best, we'll both be seven and zero. Like we, like we, we lose to Indiana and they lose to Northwestern. It's right? impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. So I, I want. I mean, I don't want to spoil picks, but Michigan is. Or sorry, Michigan State is not losing to Indiana. Uh, Indiana, not a good football team. Like really not good. Uh, and then Northwestern, this season is. Oh God, they're terrible. So bad. Honest to God, like I'm not even memeing. There is. A non-zero chance that our scout team could beat Northwestern, and uh, so yeah, I don't think I don't think it does matter what Michigan does or does not do. Uh, they're going to be seven and zero headed into Michigan State. Michigan State will also be seven and zero, and it's going to be really fun. What is unfortunate? Just yeah, keep everybody healthy. Yeah, keep everybody healthy. No, 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 Ronnie Bell's. Oh my goodness. These. That's games. I just play the scout team. Honest to God, uh, what 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 is a little sad to me though. Ryan, or not Ryan, I'm sorry. Matt mentioned that we both have kind of backloaded schedules. It's much difficult and uh, likely to drop a couple games. Uh, that's why nobody's hype about, like, the playoff. <laughs> Whoever loses. <laughs> like, yeah, like everyone's hype about being undefeated and they're hyped about the 30th. And, after and then that, it's, it's like, like well, yeah, yeah. well, that was our season. Uh, whoever loses on the 30th, that is going to be viewed as the moment their season fell apart. Because they're probably, including the 30th, going to lose, like, three of their last, what, five games? Four or five games? Pending, not including the bowl game? So, it's... Yeah, well, I mean, I think, yeah, for each team, the like the only three losses, you know, left are... Each other. Michigan, Michigan State, right. Each other, Ohio State, and, and Penn right. State. Um, but, yeah, so there's a, a very real shout that you lose, yeah, like you said, three or last five or something. That would suck. Yeah, like, well, that's just so. Then, so then, I guess you just kind of hope to play Penn State and Ohio State close or something. Oh my goodness! Do you guys? Uh, do you play Penn State before or after us? Oh. Do you know? I want to say before. Like before you play them. Um, yeah, we play them the last game of the oh, season. Oh, all right. So Clifford we will be back, back to for that. you guys yeah. too. So we play after you. We well, I mean, play God willing, if, you if guys hurt him again, State. so he won't be there for us. I, I it, just, listen, just break him in the yeah, fourth. Dax Hill may be able to arrange that. Is it his ribs? It's send us to the capital. It's his ribs, isn't it? I don't know. I think it's his ribs. In this quarter, quarterbacks, they don't take kindly to rib injuries, especially when they continue to get hit. I we may be able to arrange that. Like I, I could think of a couple guys on a blitz that could do some damage to Clifford. Already sore ribs. Uh, but we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I kind of, nah, I don't care if he's, I don't care if he missed the whole game. I was, I was like, you know, I'd rather be them with Clifford, but I'd rather not risk the loss. Actually, I don't care who's playing quarterback for them. Right, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather just be. I, yeah, I, I just. Cause that, I mean, that's the thing too, right? Like, it, whoever wins this game, the game on the 30th, I should say, like, is going to be 8-0. 
and then while you feel like you're probably going to lose to Ohio State and Penn State, like you don't, like CJ Stroud could like could separate his shoulder or something. Like you well, have no idea. Uh, so I don't you know just kind of have to take you know kind of t- take it as it comes. I'm still pretty pessimistic. We good, you know. Pretty pessimistic about the Ohio State. Fall game. Apart. Uh, Penn State we can beat though, even if Clifford is healthy. Penn State's Penn State we could beat. Um, Michigan State also could beat Penn State. I but Ohio State I just I think is gotten to where they were expected to be um which is really good and uh defense still struggles vulnerable but it's it's, it's, it's why you play the game it is why you play the game nothing's impossible and we're at home (laughs) and it's gonna be it's gonna be big i mean even if we were to drop two games before ohio state which i don't think is gonna happen but even if we were to um it's still gonna be a super hype game and i being home obviously matters a ton It, it sucks because it it feels like we always have them at home the year before we're, like, there, before we're, like, really good. Like, the year we're moving up, but we're not there yet, that's when we have them at home. And then the year that we're, like, really good and kind of ready, we got to go to Columbus. And it sucks, man. It sucks. I mean, you're, you know, you never know. Shit happens. You guys might – exactly what Ryan was talking about. CJ Stroud goes down, you know, I don't, I don't know how good their backup is after Stroud. Good. Really good. Is is Ewer is yours? No, no, no. He's like fourth string, dude. No, he's not even in college. No, he's in college. So he reclassified, and he came. So no, Ewers is the dumbest thing in the world. Honest to God. And what's crazy, Ryan Day in Ohio State. Actually, this is fascinating to me. They didn't want him to do it, but if they didn't allow it, they would have lost the commitment. Um, I'm not sure he ever ends up playing a game for Ohio State. To be honest, Ewers, after playing a couple games. This year, in high school, like a couple months ago, Ewers was playing high school football his senior season. After a couple games, he reclassified, graduated, and enrolled (laughs) at Ohio State. In the middle of high school football season, he graduated and enrolled at Ohio State. It is super weird. This is not normal. He didn't have nothing else to prove. This is not normal at all. Super weird, but we already know they don't go to Ohio State to play school. Send send one of the extras to us if uh, if Faye and Hauser don't want to go. Ship them over. Well, you got uh, you got Thorn for a few years. Right? Not against chucking the ball like this. No, stop it. What do you mean stop? He's not going early. Going next year, Edward. Oh my goodness! Completes every deep ball in the universe, all perfectly placed. Couldn't uh, couldn't complete them against Nebraska. He didn't want to. (laughs) (laughs) It was a bad game. Is the first time at home under the lights. I think he did complete one against Nebraska too. (laughs) Maybe the first half. Definitely not the second half. Like I said, you don't want to. He's third. You want to I, uh, the defense shot. I will say, though, Matt, the more he does it, right. the better it is. Because because now the defenses can't key in so much on Kenneth Walker as long as Peyton Thorne keeps continuing to show that I can hurt you with a deep ball. I got Naylor on one side. I got Reed on another. And, oh, Connor Hayward has actually made a pretty damn good transition to tight end as well to, like, this offense – Actually, looks competent. Well, he's he's more like an H back than tight end. 
that's like that's the one thing we're missing on offense. I mean, our offensive line could obviously always be better, but like we don't really have a tight end. So we take stock of halfway through the season. Uh, obviously, best case scenario for both of our teams. Uh, for one of our teams, this was semi-expected. I didn't think Michigan would have a loss this point of the season. If they did, I think it'd be one, and it would be that Wisconsin one if they were, you know, a good team, which they are you not. You never believed in Washington before the season when they were ranked and, like, hyped? I have a hard time with or at, or after they lost to the FCS team. You didn't, yeah, the, your confidence in skyrocket. I said before. There's only a couple Pac-12 teams that I have faith in making trips to uh, to Big Ten country and coming away with a win, and uh, neither of those teams uh, start with a W. <laughs> is uh, is Wazoo a Pac-12? Yes, sir. Washington State, yeah. Yeah, I'm just double checking. Is it Colorado State? Colorado State's not in the Pac-12, right? Right. Okay. I get – those mountain teams get a little confusing to me. Tom Brady, 18 to 21, 185 yards. <laughs> God. But, yeah, so half of the, the season – You can't keep getting away with this audio. <laughs> you can't keep getting away with it. So we take stock halfway through the season, Paul. You guys are undefeated. State's undefeated. Uh, it's really best case scenario heading into our matchup for uh, for the fans, obviously, for national coverage of the state of Michigan for football. Uh, it's always better when both of our teams are good. Uh, gets even more. Uh, you know, Michigan gets the press regardless, but it's a better press when they're actually undefeated and their second biggest rival is also undefeated. Meanwhile, our biggest third is undefeated. Third. Third. Oh, Third. No, Notre Dame. Uh, in, in Indiana's not undefeated. I so I and this is this is not <laughs> something I've I thought my whole life. Or whatever it's called. I have way come around on Notre Dame. Like once I learned the history, I was like, wow. Like I always hated Notre Dame way more than MSU. So I don't like. I don't. It's different with Notre Dame and Ohio State. I hate them. Like I want I want to see them fail. Whereas MSU. I want to beat them when we play. It's not a big deal. Yeah, we're rivals, but like outside of our game, it's it's not the end of the world if you guys do good. It's not a big deal. But the history itself, like between the teams, oh man, it's no Notre Dame's definitely number two. But it's fine. You just in the sweet third spot. Bronze is cool, just like your helmets. I would say in the 21st century, I think Michigan State's taken over Notre Dame for number two. Is that fair? Or do you think the few games that Michigan-Notre Dame played earlier in the century and not so much the last 10 years still warrants them number two? I'm going to say something that's going to come across as very um, pompous. It's the motivations for me. Like, I want to beat Ohio State-Notre Dame so bad because I I hate them. I can't stand to lose them. Like, it's disgusting. Like, I just – I wish the worst for them. Like, I I cannot stand being beneath them. Like, it just – it's painful. The motivating factor for like why I don't want to lose why I don't want to lose to Michigan State is because I just don't want to hear you guys. Like I literally it has nothing to even do with Michigan State. It's it's the proximity thing, right? But you guys never shut up. Like it's all you do and every single thing ends up coming back to Michigan. It's always a comparison to Michigan. Like no matter what happens. We were just we were having our conversation in chat the other day. I I don't even remember what we were talking about. And Dylan, out of nowhere, is like, well, Michigan this. 
And Dylan doesn't even do that that often. Like, he's not even high on the offender list, but always comes back to Michigan. And I was like, I made the joke. I was like, yeah, you're a really good Michigan State fan because you turn anything into about Michigan. And he laughed and was like, yeah. That's the motivating, like, I want to beat Michigan State, not because I hate you guys or I want you to lose or, oh, my God, losing. I just don't want to hear you. Like, you guys just talk so much <laughs> and everything is about us. I just want it to stop. And I know that on the 30th, when we win by 10, 13, 17 points, that's going to be it. I don't have to hear you guys until next year. And, and it's going to be peaceful. And I can focus on Ohio State and Penn State. Like, that's – and to me, that being the primary motivating factor, like, yeah, Notre Dame, Ohio State, it hits different. Yeah, you guys are about to get your ass whooped. I don't know. I don't <laughs> see Michigan fans making spreadsheets about Notre Dame. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that know. means. I don't but even don't. know what that means. No, I mean, I, I really don't care, like, how Michigan ranks their rivals. Uh, I don't ever hear anyone talk about Notre Dame, though. I talk about Notre Dame all the time. Notre Dame's in a funny spot just be, for both of our teams. You know, we both have a rivalry with them. Uh, both of our rivalries with them have been taken away from us uh, for one reason or another. Because they're know, cowards. Just, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it's good for all of us if we could continue to play them year in and year out. You know, there, there is a long history with both schools. Obviously, Michigan has a longer one. Uh, Michigan State took a while to gain some traction in the college football world, and Michigan kind of came out the gate smoking, same with Notre Dame. And they're in the same proximity, and this is in an era of football where you played teams around you, and thus with all that history began. Alabama, Auburn, you know, Michigan in, in Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame. So it's, it's a good thing to continue to keep keep it going and add new generations to this rivalry and for one reason or another Notre Dame's not in the Big Ten still don't understand that one um, decided to go with the ACC I really don't understand that one and this rivalry just kind of it's, it's there whenever they want to take advantage of it but it's not there in the everyday life like it is Michigan Ohio State Michigan Michigan State it's only here in everyday life when you guys think you're good enough to win yeah, that's obviously. how you feel. I isn't it? Like in 2016, it didn't feel like it was there. I went to East Lansing. You guys sucked. It, it didn't feel like a rivalry game. Your fans weren't up for it. Like it was a rivalry game. Like it, and it's this big one. Like I, I just I feel like when Michigan State isn't good, the rivalry lacks juice. I I don't. And it, I could be off base. I don't know. I just, it's just how it feels. It doesn't matter. It's, it really doesn't matter. Honest to God. Like, we're both good this year, and we're going to have a good football game on the 30th. It's, it's going to be it's gonna be a good one. It's not going to be 2016. So, I don't know. It's a rivalry this year, that's for sure. Until after the game, when I don't hear from you guys until next October. Oh, uh, is that because you're going to go uh, dark after Michigan State? Whoops, that ass. <laughs> No, I, no, no, it's not. I will be eating a lot of crow uh, on podcasts. It'll be an uncomfortable podcast for me. I'll be very upset and sad, but uh, I don't envision having to do well, that. Well, we, we don't podcast Still until Thursday anyway, so it'll be <laughs> everything will have died down by then. I don't want to get too far into this because we're going to have plenty of time to discuss this. But, yeah, Paul, after, the, after these six weeks of football from both of our teams, do you really feel that Michigan has a big advantage over Michigan State? I, I still feel like 
we're going to win by double digits. I don't think, listen, I don't think it's going to be like, you're just completely outclassed in every way and we're going to win by 40. No, I don't feel like that. But I, I, I feel like we're clearly the better team. I feel like we have less vulnerabilities. And I also feel like we match up well with Michigan State. And I'll, I'll get into that more next week when we actually talk about these two teams. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 think it, I, think, I think it will take a lot of not like crazy things, but listen, you, you know how bounces sometimes go a certain way. You know how the flow of a game sometimes helps a team. One, a couple a penalty here and there can flip things. Like, I think it will take a handful of, let's call it luck, a handful of very lucky plays in Michigan State's favor to keep it a tight game at the end of the game. Um, and without that, I think it's a double-digit loss for Michigan State. I mean, I'm curious. So you have been, the way you have looked at this season, you have not been swayed. Like, you have not overreacted to anything, um, good or bad. Not, you have not... You've been super reasonable. Like, just e- extremely re- About both teams. Um, and you, you really have not been swayed by anything that's happened. Um, obviously, your expectations have changed as the season has progressed, but not in a reactionary way. And I think you've been just across the board very reasonable with realistic expectations for both teams. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear where you're at with it, because I suspect that you think Michigan does have the edge going into this game, albeit not in the same way that I do. Okay. Let's see. I'll try, I'll try and break this down. So before the season started, if you ask me the final score of this game, Michigan wins 38 to 10. Wait, why? Just because of how low my expectations were for Michigan State. But we were really year. bad last season, too. I know. But I, I have... Look, I, I know he gets a lot of flack. I like I like Harbaugh at Michigan. I like what he's done with the program. You and I have had plenty I of conversations about the expectations of Michigan fans versus reality. Versus reality. And how yeah, they're for sure. not going to be able to compete with Ohio State because of the way Ohio State does things versus the way that the University of Michigan does things. We're talking about the organization, the school, not the football team. And those, those things impact the football team. I think Michigan will always have a steady head with Jim Harbaugh at the reins coming into this season with Mel Tucker and the non recruitment and not sure what we were getting from the transfers. I didn't so have high expectations. You got no idea. For this team. Yeah. I, I hear you. I had no it's idea. Perfect. After the, let's say between the Miami win and the Nebraska game, I thought it would be a closer game. I still thought Michigan would win by what you're saying. Double digits. After watching the Rutgers game and seeing the offense really come alive these last two weeks to the point that we are not just Kenneth Walker and that Peyton Thorne has mobility that he can be dangerous with, he has a deep ball that he can be dangerous with, and he has two really good deep ball weapons now that are coming alive more and more in Naylor and Reed. I'm gaining confidence in Michigan State's ability to really be in this football game against Michigan. Seeing Michigan's games, and the Wisconsin game was a good win, and I I picked them to win, so I wasn't surprised they won. I know all the history and all that crap. None of that crap matters when the teams line up on Saturday. Michigan had a better team, and they actually used some of their weapons in ways that they needed to to beat Wisconsin, which was through the air. That being said, 
if you were going to ask me right now which quarterback would I, would I rather have, it's not bias. I'm I would rather have Peyton Thorne. I have seen more out of Peyton Thorne than I have seen out of Cade these these last six weeks. And to me, that's what makes a difference. Is that we both have very good running games. I know you don't think that Michigan State does. I know that you think there's a lot of overhypeness with Kenneth Walker. That's not true. Compared to Corum and your and your running backs, I think you think that. I think he's overrated. That's all. Right. I, that's what I I'm saying. That, and that's what I said. Doesn't mean he's think, bad. Doesn't mean he's not good. I just I think that I, the I didn't hype say you didn't think. He's, I just think I know that you, in your heart of hearts, think Michigan has a better running situation than Michigan State, and it's not even a question. I think it is a question. The receiver situation sure. might be a wash. I just think with the quarterback situation the way it is. I lean towards Michigan State. I've seen more from Peyton Thorne this year. He's had to do more than Cade has in more of their victories. Defensive side of the ball, look, half the secondary for Michigan State is good. The other half sucks ass. Our line is very good and causes a lot of problems. Michigan's defense, also very good, causes a lot of problems. So I think there's a lot of washes, and then there are certain areas where I think Michigan absolutely has the edge, and I think there's a couple areas where I think Michigan State might have the edge. And offensively, I think it will matter to the point that I think this is going to be, as long as we bring our A game and not show up the way we did against Nebraska, (laughs) I think this is going to be a very competitive, good football game. You didn't say which one has the overall edge, though. If if we were playing at Ann Arbor, I'd say Michigan State, because for whatever reason, we play you guys better in your backyard. And for whatever reason, we play like crap in our own backyard against you guys. But that was also under D'Antonio. So, with Mel, Mel seems to get these boys up and playing for him. So, you know, hopefully he does that and our boys show up as if they were playing in Ann Arbor. Uh, but, you know, recent history, and again, it means nothing when the two when the two teams show up on Saturday and slug it out. But recent history has shown me that for whatever reason, Michigan State comes out flat against Michigan when we play in East Lansing. So it's hard for me to say that I'm leaning towards Michigan State. Uh, but we've got a couple more weeks for me to see something. One from each of us in a bye week. And... I like that bye week right before you guys. I think that does give us a little bit of help. I know you, you know, you have other arguments against the bye week, but well, I, I think it's both. I mean, I, I it can go both ways. I, I prefer, I, I honestly actually love the way, provided we stay healthy. I love the way it works out for Michigan because we have a couple weeks to get healthy, right? We have a bye week this week instead of next week, but then the week before Michigan State, we play Northwestern, and Northwestern is truly a tune-up game. It's it's a okay get back into your weekly game prep. But listen, if we're pressed against Northwestern after the first quarter, we we have problems. Like for real. Uh, then I might change my mind about the prediction of the Michigan State game. <coughs> um, Northwestern's a bad football team, right? So it's an ideal get back in the swing of things, knock off some of the rust right before Michigan State, where Michigan State, so you said you might have concerns about them coming out flat. Well, it is, to me, anyways, and I don't have data in front of me, but I would think the data backs it up. When you have that week off, and certainly anecdotally, I've seen it plenty, I feel like you don't come out as hot. Yes, you're rested. Yes, you have. You get healthier, but it's it's different. You had a week off, and I think rest is rust a little bit. I don't think the bye week situation is going to change the outcome of this game. Um, I don't, I just, I prefer our situation a little bit. That's all. I should probably get Ryan's take on what he thinks between this Michigan, Michigan state game so far in the season. 
Yeah, easy, bro. Michigan gave up 30 to Nebraska. They're going to give up 50 to us. Easy money. Easy money, son. He's like Aiden Hutchinson. That's, that's, all, shit. that's all you're going to give us, huh? You got nothing else? That's all he needs to give us. I mean, we got, we, got a whole, we got a whole week next week. I So, I actually, the schedule's playing tricks. I mean, we were talking about the bye weeks. Um, I keep thinking that next week's podcast is your Michigan-Michigan State week, and it's not. Nope. We each not. have one more game, but well, then we there's well, bye we got weeks two weeks. But there's, there's a so bye there's week involved for each it's, of us. It's, and the thing is, like, I feel like this has been building, and it does make it exciting this year, kind of. But the way we kind of saw how the schedule was breaking early on, and I feel like really since like week three, since after week three, this has started to build. And with each passing week, it's just building more intense. And that's, I I will say, I am looking forward to this Michigan State game more than I've looked forward to a Michigan State game in a long time. Um, In large part of it, (laughs) most of the motivation, like I... I want to definitively, like, I just want to, I want to stop. I want to put it out. I want to put the Michigan State hype out. Like, I'm just, I'm over it. I'm done. I'm, I don't want to hear another word about Kenneth Walker. I don't. I want him to run for 30 yards on 18 carries against Michigan in a double-digit loss. And then I don't have to hear about anything ever again the rest of the season. Um, but until we play in two weeks, that's not, it's not going to be the case. We'll have definitely plenty of time to uh, bring more to this uh, conversation uh, a week from now, two weeks from now. <laughs> the, the, all the questions that we've thrown out there, all the opinions we've had about these two teams, we're going to get a lot of answers straight up when they play each other. Um, you're going to see firsthand why Blake Chrome's a better running back than Kenneth Walker. Uh, you're you're going to see firsthand why uh, Peyton Thorne probably shouldn't take him over Caden McNamara. But, he probably you know, should because Caden fucking sucks. Oh, my God. This is, and this is something, so you're laughing, it's funny, and Ryan's joking around, but he's not really joking. It's, it's funny, but like, this is exactly it. Like, this is what, why I'm so ready for the 30th, just to put it out of its misery. Like, it's, it, it's Yeah, we're going like, to take old Yeller out back. Ryan, Ryan we'll is like, Ryan is like an uprising. And it's, he's like a, a riot that's gotten out of control. Or or maybe they'll, gotten out maybe of control. they'll just cut his salary. And, and it's like cute at first, and then it's annoying, and then at some point you got to send the National Guard in to start shooting people. And, like, <laughs> that's that's what that's what we're waiting on. Like, it's just, all right, this is enough of this. It's time to it's time to put this down, put it out of its misery, and uh, and then we won't hear from them again. Speaking of putting people out of their miseries, we should at least talk a little bit about our professional football team and get that misery over with. The Lions experienced a little... What? When did we get a professional football team? (laughs) Well, the Lions experienced a little deja vu all over again, getting beat by a 50-plus yard field goal as the bell sounded to lose to the Vikings... Uh, in heartbreaking fashion. They did cover the spread, which was a very big spread coming in of 10 points. So they definitely played tough and kept up with them and kept the Vikings offense from not doing a ton. So there's some good to be said about the Lions. Yes, Paul? No? Uh, there's there's kind of a lot of good to be said about the Lions. Like, I don't... <clears throat> from the perspective of this is a good football what? team that's going places this year, no. But from the perspective of... The Lions have been way more competitive than they should be this year. 
and they're still finding ways to lose every game to get the number one pick, I could not be happier with how the Lions season has gone. Like, it's it's perfect. It's been absolutely perfect. It's not really watchable. Like, that part is like, whatever. It's ugly. It's sin. But we are, are playing competitive, close football and losing in heartbreaking fashion, which normally that sounds horrible. Like, this is not what we want as fans. Except this season, I didn't expect to even be competitive in most of these games. We're competing against teams like the Ravens, right? Teams like San Francisco's, you can call that competing, technically. We, we had Green Bay on the ropes for a half. Um, who did we play last week? Vikings. No, the week, I mean before. Who did we play the week before? Uh, I can't, why can nobody remember? That's how bad this football wait, team's been. We just wait. put the games out of our mind as soon as they happen. Man, Niners, what? Packers, uh, and then... Ravens. Oh, we played Ravens. the Bears. The Bears. Bears. Ah, that no, was Bears. it, the Bears. Yeah. Okay, that game was bad. Yeah, I forgot about that because we made we made Justin Fields look like a competent NFL quarterback because that's what we do. I mean, we did that with Trubisky a lot. Um, but then we come back, and the Vikings and are better than the Bears. Fields ended Gruden's career right after that. Oh, my God. <laughs> he really did. Uh, no, we're competing in games. Um, we are... I want to say we're well-coached. I think we're well coached. Um, we're playing above our talent level, I think. Like I personally think we're playing above our talent level, and that's all I want to see. Is I want to see growth. I want to see a team that fights. I want to see a team that plays for their head coach, which I think unequivocally you can say this team does. Um, and then Dan Campbell was so upset that they lost in heartbreaking fashion again. Um, he literally looked heartbroken at the podium as he was shedding real man tears. Um, this man I, believes in his team, right? Like, it's, he's, it's not even just that he believes. Like, so, Dan Cry Campbell played in the NFL. Oh, my God. Dan Campbell <laughs> played in the NFL. So, he he knows what it's like to go through these seasons, to leave it all on the field, right? Like, he, he's a hardcore guy. He played NFL football. He knows what it's like to be in these players' shoes. And now he's not out on the field. All he's doing is wearing a headset and giving instructions and leading practices. He feels so much for the players that are actually out there with their blood, sweat, and tears. And when they lose the way that we've lost, like, that is affecting him, like, mentally. I love that. I don't know. I'm not saying that's going to make him a good football coach. I don't know. But I love that he cares that much. He certainly cares a lot more than it looked like the last couple coaches cared. And I, I love the energy he brings. And I guarantee, listen, you think there's a player in that locker room watching their coach be that emotional over them that is not going to do anything that he asks of them, that is not going to give every ounce of effort they have to play for that man? So those are positives. And yet... Those positives are not ruining our draft position. We are finding ways to lose football games that we shouldn't be in in the first place. And I'm okay with that. Like, I don't prescribe to the, oh, to change the culture, you got to win football games. We were never winning a bunch of football games this year. It, it, we are a talentless roster, all right? Not, not talentless, but very in comparison to other NFL football teams, we have very, very little talent. So we're being competitive. I like the direction the coaching staff is going. And we're still losing games. Where are the negatives here? Like, speaking of future Lions building this franchise, what are the negatives? I mean, the negative is that, like, for the last 25 years, <laughs> the only thing Lions fans have to look forward to is the draft. But we're rebuilding. We're supposed to be looking towards the draft right now. We're not supposed we're, to be we're always for the rebuilding. right now. Yeah, rebuilding since, what, 57? Yeah, but you can't put that on this. You cannot put that 
on this front office and this coaching staff that got here this season. No, I, you can't. I'm not. It's got <laughs> nothing saying to do we with fucking, them. We, so, like we suck. Still, but this is this is a completely new deal. Like so, that doesn't matter. Yeah, back to the we we haven't won a game. That that would be the bad part of of the year. But that's good. I mean, it's it's only good because you have hope, like for the future. But it's it's not good now. I think it's good now. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm insane. I I I'm thrilled <laughs> I with this so. season so far. You think Michigan's going to be Michigan State? So. How do we get back to college? We left college in the past. <laughs> but for for the Lions, yeah, I said this on the on the post game. So if you guys haven't looked back at that, uh, go to Sports Corner's YouTube and check that out. Um, but the team obviously, you know, they've obviously played for Dan Campbell so far, and you you like to see that. But I also think it's something that you're going to see almost with any coach. I mean, maybe minus Patricia for like the first four or so games of like a coach's tenure, right? Even if they're own four, because the players, I don't think the players think that they're a bad football team, even though they're own five, but they see themselves every day in practice. They see all the best parts of Jared Goff. They saw the best parts of like Okuda before he went down and all these guys that, you know, the Lions fans right now are like, Oh, that guy sucks. He can't play whatever the guy, the guys on the team, they're really not thinking that. So, I think it's easy to get up for, again, like a new coach, one who brings as much energy as Dan Gamble does, even if you're 0-4, 0-5, because it's still new and you still feel like you can, you know, turn the season around. Like how many of the Lions fan or how many Lions players, I should say, probably think that they could have been in the 49ers, they could have been in the Ravens, and they could have been the Vikings. So they're looking at it, hey, we could be a 3-2 and or 4-1 and football team. Um so I think that factors into how much they do want to play for Dan Campbell. But I, so what I'm interested in to see, and this is the part that I said on the on the YouTube uh, Facebook reaction after the game, is let the Lions get to like one and twelve or two and eleven. Like then, are are we going to see the same level of effort from from the team? Are they going to be bought into Dan Campbell? as much as they are right now, because I think it's easy to do when it's new, but I do think it can wear fast if you keep, uh, just basically if you keep losing these games, right? And I think a lot of these players know that they're expendable. I don't think that there's a lot on the Lions roster that you're locking into, you know, next year or years in the future. So uh, I do think that that's something the players are, you know, are aware of, um, Especially some of the some of the veterans on the team who know that their that their time's up, and if they're losing, you know, like they're not going to have so much to play for. Obviously, you want to play better, so someone gives you a bigger contract in the off season, you can prove you can still play football. But if these guys have already been playing for 11, 12 years, whatever it is, I still think that you know that they know they can probably get a contract from somewhere else. So that's where I'm interested to see. How much does Dan Campbell uh, really affect the football team? Are they still believing when they're two and twelve, um, as opposed to you know being zero and five right now? Because I would almost guarantee that there's guys in that locker room that still right now sitting at zero and five think they can finish nine and eight or ten and seven and like s- sneak their way um, into the playoffs or be there in week eighteen 
uh, fighting for one of the last wild card spots. But obviously, yeah, when I, you're I eight, that thought probably is out the window. I, I know it's the delusion of competitiveness at, at this level, uh, but I don't. I don't think there's anyone in that locker room that believes that. Um, and especially, I uh, so it starts with your quarterback. I think, I think Dan Campbell and, believes it. It, no, I don't think he believes it. I think he wants to win a couple of football games. Uh, listen, he wants to win every game, but I, Dan Campbell is not a dumb human. Uh, he's been around plenty of teams, winning teams, losing teams. Um, and, and so a lot of these guys, uh, they know what talent it takes to win at this level. Um, most of them, especially your coaching staff, they know what talent level is on this team. Like Dan Campbell is not surprised. That it doesn't make it hurt less, but he's not surprised at the lack of success they're having. Trust me. It, I don't think they're going to try less, uh, especially, honestly, um, until they at least get their first win because you think anyone in that locker room wants to be the first NFL team to go 0-17 in the inaugural 17-game season? Season? Like, hey, come on, man. Um, these are these are professional athletes with a lot of pride on the line. And even, even afterwards, I mean, they're fighting to win. I, I don't think there's many guys in that locker room that are going to be playing out the string. Uh, and I think the ones that would uh, will get – Picked out and benched pretty quickly. Um, I, I don't. I don't really worry about this team at any point faltering and not playing for Dan. I, I really don't. But I. I, I do think. I, I'm the more interesting dynamic to me is Lions fans. I, I wish AJ was still with us at this point on the podcast because AJ has actually dipped his toe. Do, I forget dipped. He's dove in to the craziness that is the biting kneecaps DSN group on Facebook and actually taken it to these fans and tried to bring some logic to their arguments of why they are so crazy about this team not doing well and to fire Dan Campbell already and all this crap. And AJ has actually gone in there and survived somehow because I'd love to have him tell us firsthand his own experience with dealing with these fans. But you talk about the fans, and they are still crazy about this team and the expectations that this team should have for one reason or another. None of them make any damn sense to me. But these these fans still believe that this team should be better than it is. And I still, it's, we're at week five, six, whatever, of the NFL season. For the life of me, I cannot figure out what they are seeing and why they are thinking this way. I think the NFL allows for a lazier fandom because of how accessible it is. Like you would think the NFL dominates articles. It dominates airtime. It dominates how much people talk about it. So you think, well, it's really easy to be educated as an NFL fan. Like it's the easiest. Like if you're a women's lacrosse fan, it's hard, right? Like it's hard to find out details about your team. And But I think how accessible the the NFL is and how much it's played everywhere. One, it creates a culture of hot takes. I mean, you see it across all sports media, but it's excessively bad among NFL coverage. But because it's so accessible and because it's on everywhere, everyone thinks they know things that they don't know, like way more than anything else. Like if you're a fan of a more obscure sport that doesn't get the coverage, if you want to be a fan, you have to watch the games. You have to come to your own conclusions. You have to dig when you want answers to things, and you have to become educated about the sport. In the NFL, none of that's required. In the NFL, it's just all there, easily digestible. You don't have to do a goddamn thing. So it creates a culture of fans that think they know a lot because they hear a lot of nonsense all the time, but they actually don't know about the sport, and they don't know what's going on. Then 
you combine that with the high turnover in the NFL, and I don't just mean players, I mean in placement. Like, teams going from worst to first and first to worst every single year. Like, except the Lions. Like, the Lions are just always bad, right? You, you, but you see teams that are bad, and then in a couple of years, now they're winning a Super Bowl, like the Eagles. So teams expect that change can come quickly, and they don't put context with it. They don't look at this roster is nowhere near where it needs to be. And this is a fresh coaching staff with a fresh front office in one of the worst talented rosters in the NFL. And these lunatic fans that just watch losing season after losing season truly believe, like it's not a meme when they say next year. They believe it because they're insane. They're insane people. Seeing the arguments I see, you're not wrong. There's just, I don't, I don't, they're, they're golf believers. They, you know, they, they look at the Super Bowl year and they think that he should be able to reproduce that, even though ever since he's gotten paid that big contract, he hasn't reproduced that. Uh, this team is coming off a bad season with an entirely new regime. Like, what team in any sport has come off a bad season, fired their head coach, fired their GM, and had a fantastic season the following year. I can't think of one. It takes time to build it. I understand that Lions fans are tired. I'm a Lions fan. Paul, you're a Lions fan. Ryan, you're a Lions fan. We're all tired of having I'm to be patient. I'm a Rams patient. fan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but we're all tired of having to be patient. But you have to have some logic with why you are being patient. You are being patient now because it's a new regime and you have to give this new regime time you can't look at the failed regimes of the past and put it on this new regime you can't look at sheila and see william as much as i want the fords to sell the lions and i have made this point very clear paul time and time again that the lions would not be good while the fords own them I'm backing off of that stance a little bit because of how much I liked the moves I saw this offseason. It's the hope I have for this new regime that is getting me to back off of the sell the team. Do I still want them to? Yes. Mark Cuban, come on down, please. I would love for Mark Cuban to buy the Lions. But I'm backing off of the please sell this team because of the moves that were made this offseason. And you have to give this franchise time. They are not going to get it right right away. And they are not even going to get it right to win a game in the first five, five weeks of the season. The fact that we were competitive in over half of them should tell you something. What it tells you is that these players believe in this head coach. You didn't see this in the Patricia regime. I didn't see a single player looking like, acting like, working like they believed in this head coach. I saw them working like and acting like they believed in each other and were fighting for each other. I didn't see infighting for the players, and I'm happy for that. But I didn't see anything that told me that the guys loved their coach. And you don't have to love your coach. I guarantee you over half the Patriots in Belichick's reign have absolutely hated Bill Belichick. But that's a special situation where results matter. And the Patriots have a ton of results to justify them being okay with Bill Belichick being a prick to his team and setting it my way or the highway because his way has gotten a lot of rings. We don't have that. Matt Patricia didn't have that. He acted like he had that. He didn't have that. Dan Campbell is not acting like he has that. He is a football player, plain and simple. 
and he's an old school football player, a blocking tight end. He's a player's player kind of guy, and you're going to get that respect from the guys that like to get down and dirty on the field, and the, got a lot of guys in the Lions will like that. So the fact that they are showing me that they believe in this as well adds to my hope that eventually this will turn around. It's not turning around in 2021. In fact, it's probably not going to turn around much in 2022. But by 2023, I think we're going to see some real good changes as long as the organization has the patience to see it through. And if the fan base can get behind it and have that patience as well and not put the entire past, 1958 till now, of all the losing, if you can ignore that somehow and not put that on Dan Campbell and this organization and believe that the change is coming for the better, I think you're going to be very happy with the results in a couple years. I just, I don't know why. I've never had this feeling before. I didn't have this feeling with Caldwell. I never had this feeling before. I have this feeling for some reason with Dan Campbell, and I hope he can survive these two years because they're not going to be good two years. And I hope that they've had this discussion with the ownership that they need to have the patience as well to give him a chance to build what he has learned under Sean Payton, what he has learned in his time in the league, and hopefully Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell are given the time to get us to where we have never been. And that is a constant competitive football team. What is really crazy to me, it's just, it's hilarious to me, I guess, more than anything else. There were plenty of people out there that genuinely believed. Like this was not a, oh, he could be, or oh, this is whatever. They saw Stafford never winning anything in Detroit, ever. And the warts on your team are always worse than the warts on other teams because you see every snap you see every snap of your team, right? Like, you see every snap your quarterback makes. So when he makes mistakes, people just assume that other quarterbacks aren't making those mistakes because they're not watching them all the time. They don't see it when Rodgers or Brady or Peyton or Breeze makes the mistake because they don't watch every snap of those teams. But they watch every snap in Detroit, and so they see Stafford make those mistakes, which drives them insane, and then we lose a lot of football games, so he gets the blame because that's how it works in sports, right? They see... We didn't win in Detroit. From afar, they saw Goff win plenty with the Rams and go to a Super Bowl. These people genuinely thought that Goff could be just as good, if not an upgrade over Stafford. There were people, this was a real belief among actual fans that said, well, he went to a Super Bowl. Stafford's never even won a playoff game. Like, th- this, this is fine. Like, this could be our quarterback. Like, this guy's going to be fine. Those are the kind of people we're talking about. Like, those are the kind of fans. There is no logic. There is no reasoning. They don't know. And they don't know what they don't know. Even if they, they just don't know. That's one position with a bunch of guys now that are, besides Hawk, who's catching the ball for the Lions? Who's got throwing but if you to? Think that, if you think that about if you think that about the quarterback position, which is really the... the one that gets talked about the most, so the one that you theoretically should know the most about, even though it's a little more complex than that, they can trick themselves into believing the roster can be turned over overnight. We have a lot of new players. We have some hyped-up draft picks. We have a brand-new coaching staff that is going to turn the players that were bad into good players. Okuda's going to become Richard Sherman. Like, that's how these people think, dude. It's insane. It's just... So when you're talking about these people that they thought 
oh my god, we are losing all of our games, fire the coach. Because they didn't expect to lose the games. Like, they thought we could actually win football games. Plural. I, you, there's nothing you can say to those people. Like, at this point, it's willful ignorance. Like, they choose not to understand the game. And that's their prerogative. But you're never going to be able to explain to these people but Paul, why they've been what fans they think. of this team for 40, 50 years. But just fans. Not as an intellectual exercise of understanding the game and the context around it. And it's different. They're just waving pom-poms. And it's fine. But you're never going to convince these people of anything. Right, but the problem is in today's day and age, those same fans have the same platform as you do. They have the same platform as the intellectual fan to But you can ignore to them. spew their nonsense and get the other fans that are just as dumb to think the same way and regurgitate this nonsense and root for this nonsense. And then you get the masses now of these idiots that are spewing the same garbage. It's just hard to live with. It was so much easier to live with when it was only when you were in certain areas that you heard it. If you were at a (laughs) barbershop, you're at an ice cream shop, you're at the bar, whatever, you're hearing it. But when you went back home... You were able to escape it. You can't escape it now if you decide to use any kind of device to look on social media. You you cannot escape it. It is true. And it's, I mean, it's, go on the Twitter feed after the game, after they kicked that game-winning field goal. Just hashtag, fire, fire Dan. Like, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But it is believable. It's, it, it's the most unbelievable, believable thing. Because we see it every single year. It's not, it's not new. Speaking of unbelievable yet believable, the record of three idiots who think they know sports and can talk about sports in picking sports over the weekend has not been that great, Paul. Uh, It's it's because we all picked bum-ass Michigan. Uh, Michigan covered. Uh, No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Oh, no. There was a hook. It was three and a half. And that hook... Oh, our picks are worse than I thought. Killed yeah. us. Hey, no, I'm, oh st- I'm pretty sure how, I win... How can we trust I'm pretty... <laughs> <laughs> it's like the fourth straight week. Hang on, I'm pretty sure I no, went 7-3. No, I think I went 7-3 this week. It's it's logged on here correctly. I just, in my mind, did not remember. I logged these last week. Okay. Or not last week, but at, at, after the games, I logged them. I just forgot that that happened. <laughs> I don't know about all that. Um, you know who did cover? No, it's Michigan oh State. <laughs> uh, yeah, easily, too. Easily, who we also who we also all picked outside of AJ being a hater. Um, but AJ went five and zero in the NFL. Um, and the reason that it's very notable what AJ did is AJ went six and four last week, which doesn't seem spectacular, uh, but it was enough to vault him into first place overall. Um, I thought it was a much better week for math than it was because of the Michigan game. Um, but it's not like m- the Michigan game was Matt's only blemish in college. Yeah, That's I went four and one and <laughs> three, three and two in the NFL. Yeah, so Matt had a seven and three week, which is the best last week. Matt did super good. Matt is still in last place by a lot. Um, <laughs> well. When we get Percentage time. wise, it's a lot, but it's only it's still early in the season, so he's technically only three games back of not last place. So we're it's it's not bad. Okay. Like we're last 
Last week, Matt had twice as many losses as wins. He is doing so much better this week. So I want everyone at home, give a round of applause for Matt. We're doing really well. Uh, I sucked last week. Uh, we all sucked. Actually, four of the, the rest of us that are not AG and Matt went four and six. Um, so that wasn't, uh, that wasn't very fun. Um, I've been knocked down to second place. We got Ryan and Don sharing third place. Dylan still doesn't count. And Matt is, of course, as we discussed, bringing up the rear. Uh, this week... This week's going to go better for us. I, God I'm, willing. I'm saying it right now. We are doing better this week. We start in college, as always. 10th ranked Michigan State has a road tune-up before the bye week. Uh, four and a half point road favorites over before the back Before the back-to-back bye weeks. Uh, I don't know. But outside of last year, obviously, when Indiana was, what, top 10 or something, uh, we usually handle Indiana pretty well. And it doesn't seem like a whole lot of those games are very close. Even, you know, under D'Antonio, where we weren't beating teams by a lot anyway, uh, this team's different. Offense way more explosive. Going to Bloomington, get that old brass platoon or little brass platoon, whatever it's called, and, uh, and dominate Indiana. Go green. Uh, so if you are watching this game and wondering why you're not seeing Michael Penix Jr. in the game, it's most likely because you're seeing Jack Tuttle because Penix – Injured and not really having a good season, even when he was healthy. Uh, I don't think Tuttle is going to be enough offensively uh, to switch the course for Indiana. Uh, defensively, they still have to stop Kenneth Walker, and Thorne is now showing that they have to stop him as well. Uh, I'm starting to become more of a believer in this Spartan club, and I think a similar score to what we saw at Rutgers is what we're going to see at Indiana. So I'm going with the Spartans to cover. Go green. Uh, yeah, everything Matt said. Uh, Don is the lone dissenter. Um, that's because he hates Michigan State almost as much as he hates Michigan. Uh, Dylan, AJ, the rest of us, we're, we're all on the Michigan State bandwagon, at least this week. Um, Indiana, not a good football team at all. I scraped past Western Kentucky, lost to not good football teams. They're only like really good winners against Idaho. What are we doing here? They got shut out the last game they played. They got shut out by Penn State, man. Um... I don't think Michigan State has any trouble with them. Better game, in a sense. Uh, we got 12th-ranked Oklahoma State traveling to 25th-ranked Texas. Uh, I say better in a sense because Big 12 still doesn't play defense. And these games just are disgusting. Four-point favorite Texas at home over Oklahoma State. Uh, we Well, we were looking up the, the Bedlam series today with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And I saw a lot of the times both those teams, top 15, top 10, so I just hope that happens again this year. Give me Oklahoma State for the win. So Mike Gundy's defense is holding opponents to under 19 points per game. Mike Gundy's defense has faced Baylor, Kansas State, Boise State in a much down year, Tulsa, and I don't even know who the hell that is in the first week. It's, it's some sort of a bear. <laughs> who the hell are you? Missouri State. It is a bear. They are the bears. Sweet. Missouri State Bears. So these are the clubs that they have faced. Uh, We just watched Texas romp all over Oklahoma when it comes to what their offense was able to do. Still lost the damn game. Allowed Texas to come all the way back. But that offense is unlike anything that Mike Gundy's defense has seen all year. Good luck stopping B. John Robinson. Good luck stopping Casey Thompson. Uh, I don't see how Oklahoma State is able to even hang with this defense. Uh, Texas by double digits. Hook them. We have a split. 
And this is exciting because we've had a lot of the same picks over and over and over again. AJ and Don, they agree with Matt. Uh, they think Sark's getting it done. Uh, Dylan, Ryan, me. Right side of history, baby. Right side of history. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma State, flat out better team. You're giving me points. I don't, I don't care it's on the road, man. It, it, talk about gut-wrenching. Like, Texas coming off that loss in the fashion that they lost in their biggest rivalry game. And now they got to come home and face Oklahoma State, who actually looks pretty darn good this season. Are you serious? Talk about a mismatch. I'm going to take Oklahoma State with the points that you're giving me all day. Uh, I like this one, money line as well. But four points is perfect to me. I, even if they lose by a field goal, I'm still printing money, baby. Uh, this one, sometimes you'd look at this and you'd be like, oh, it's a game of the week. We got a big SEC matchup. Undefeated. Nice afternoon, 3.30 game. Undefeated. Undefeated. Undefeated Kentucky. Kentucky is ranked 11th. And I'm going to tell you a secret. Kentucky is underranked at 11. And they're traveling to play number one Georgia. So you look at this game and you're like, man, this could be a fun football game. Vegas does not think so. Georgia is a 22 and a half point favorite. <laughs> Vegas is, they're literally, they're on their knees giving you fellatio to take Kentucky. Every time somebody tells me Kentucky's good, it's never the case. So I'm going to take Georgia here at home. I think with the Alabama loss, they can see the playoff directly in front of them. I don't think they let them know. Go dogs! So this Kentucky Wildcat team's got a big opportunity in front of them. They get by Georgia. I mean, the SEC East is theirs for the taking. I already got by LSU. I already got by Florida. I already got by South Carolina. That's a nice little position for them to be in. I don't think there's a chance in hell it's happening. <laughs> I applaud them for making it to this game at 6-0. and But Georgia, that defense is just on another level uh, from literally everybody, including the two Big Ten teams we saw go head-to-head last week in Iowa and Penn State. This Georgia defense is ridiculous. I know Kentucky's got a good ground attack, um, but I don't think they're going to get anywhere near this for a win. 22 and a half. That's a big spread. I mean, Georgia could walk away 31-10. It's a nice win. It's a confident win. Doesn't cover that spread. So I'm going to take the chance that Kentucky does enough to stay inside of right about three touchdowns. <laughs> so I'll go with the Wildcats. I, I thought... The way you opened open that, I really thought... Not so fast, my guys. friend. <laughs> yeah, you, you got me. You had me in the first half. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Ryan, AJ, Don, Dylan, they're on the Georgia bandwagon. I'm, I'm on the Georgia bandwagon. I laid a bunch of money at the end of last season for Georgia to win the title this season. I believe. Trust me. You don't have to sell me on Georgia. 22 and a half points against a good SEC foe. Like, I really do. I really buy Kentucky. Um, I I think Kentucky's really decent team. Uh, I don't know how good. I mean, they have a talent cap, but do I think they're gonna hang with or possibly beat Georgia? No, but you over three touchdowns. We got hooks on hooks on touchdown hooks. Like it's it's so many points. Like I I believe Georgia is head and shoulders above everybody else in football this year. But come on, twenty two and a half is so disrespectful. It's I mean it's Georgia. If they get to a big lead, the odds of them maintaining that lead through the end of the game, I mean, it's 
I, I don't I don't understand the spread. I don't get like I I wouldn't bet it, but Jesus my God, I gotta take Kentucky. Uh Baylor, BYU. I was on BYU earlier this season. Um thank God I, I wasn't last weekend because they look disgraceful. Uh they still are ranked nineteenth though. Looked good otherwise, but nineteenth ranked Baylor is six point road or I'm sorry, nineteenth ranked BYU is six point road dogs to Baylor. Yeah, buddy. Baylor five and one should be ranked. Give me, uh, give me the Bears in this one, just because I was looking at some of their, or they're the only team. Who they beat? They, man, I forgot. I was, uh, no. So they beat somebody that's that's pretty decent. So uh, I'm just gonna take Baylor because we're live. I don't feel like looking it up. <laughs> give me Baylor to beat BYU. Fun fact for our audience out there: There's a couple quarterbacks that have had at least eight touchdowns and no picks. One of them is a Heisman contender in Matt Coral. The other is Baylor's Jerry Bohannon. This offense can move the ball. BYU, defensively coming into the Boise State game, looked really good. After the Boise State game, didn't look so good. What BYU are we getting? It's on the road in Texas. I think it's going to be a tough spot for the Cougars to come out uh, and win this football game. The six is intriguing because... A touchdown with an extra point, and you got your cover right there, Baylor. And I'm rooting for the kicker to make that extra point. So I'm going to go with the Bears. They beat Iowa State is who I was thinking of. I, Don, Don again, is a lone dissenter. Uh, and I'm I'm really surprised everyone's on the Bears, given the spread and the fact that I mean, BYU is the ranked team coming in here. Uh, but Baylor's only loss is to a pretty decent Oklahoma State team. Uh, BYU, especially lately, has struggled to generate offense against a- any competent defense. I know we like to talk a lot about you don't see competent defense in the Big 12. Baylor kind of been the exception for a few years now, and it's a new coaching staff, and but they're they're pretty solid team. And I agree with Ryan. Actually, they probably should be ranked. Uh, I, I just I don't I don't like I don't like BYU here. Um, I think this is kind of it for them. This is the last week of the season ranked. Um, I, I think Baylor wins this one pretty handily. And then our last college game. This one is super interesting to me. Uh, we got 13th ranked Old Miss, Ole Miss traveling to Tennessee. Tennessee team that super bad at the beginning of the season that everyone thought was going to be pretty bad. And you're looking at like Old Miss only a two and a half point favor. That's kind of weird. Uh, why would Old Miss be only two and a half point favor on the road in Tennessee? Well, after Tennessee ditched Joe Milton <laughs> something magical happened they started scoring points lots and of and they points. found a quarterback lots of they points they found a quarterback in Hooker who is actually looking pretty solid for them uh actually like moving the ball through the air and scoring touchdowns and stuff and I, it's very very all weird for Tennessee um Tennessee just scored like 60 points on Missouri now, Missouri's not a good football team but that is a Power 5 SEC team that you just have 60 points on. And this is Tennessee we're talking about here. So all of a sudden, Tennessee is 4-2 and two and looking just worlds different than they did just a few weeks ago. Uh, and it's crazy, but it's – I feel like I'm watching a replay. I feel like Michigan did the same thing after they got rid of Joe Milton. Like, I've seen this movie before. Um, yeah, you got it. Two-and-a-half-point road favorite, Ole Miss. Brandon Walker of Barstool Sports is from Mississippi and put out some very positive pro Michigan State content this week. So I'm going <laughs> to ride with my boy Brandon here. Give me Ole Miss. Give me Matt Corral. 
uh, all of them. Go Rebels. Paul, what's the over-under for this game? Like 70? Oh, my 72? God. I can pull it up. I don't it's got to it be right up now. there because there's going to be a ton of points. Ole Miss puts up a ton of points. Tennessee's been starting to put up a lot of points. Uh, it's going to come down to Ole Miss's defense and how they do against Hooker. Um, Hooker hasn't had to do too much yet since taking over. That offense has been flowing pretty good. Uh, if they force him to throw the ball 30 times, we haven't seen that yet from Hooker. I think uh, I think the Rebels defensively are going to do just enough to win by a touchdown which, if my math's correct, covers the two-and-a-half spread. So I will roll with Ole Miss. Uh, yeah, that, that covers it pretty uh, pretty easily, actually. Um, Dylan and me are the only ones going against type here. Everyone else got Ole Miss. I, 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 when, I, when I saw this game, I was like, wow, yes, Ole Miss, easy. Like, I'm, I'm taking this. And then I had to do this stupid thing where I'm like, well, I got to look at this. And I looked at it, and I'm like, man – I don't know. I Ole Miss bounced back really nicely last week after the game against Alabama, which a lot of teams don't, and they did. Kudos to them. But the numbers don't have these teams with a lot of separation. And I got an ascending Tennessee team at home wanting to make a statement. Like, this is, this would be a statement win for them that their program is back on track. I mean, I, I look at this similar to how hard Nebraska played against Michigan the other night, and I'm like, Ole Miss doesn't play defense? Tennessee's not that bad. They found a quarterback. Like, they're at home. I don't know. I'm taking Tennessee. It sounds crazy, but I'm taking Tennessee. Um, and I, I hope it's not crazy because I, I really need to get some W's because the last couple weeks have been rough. Uh, and that closes our college picks. Back to the NFL. Back to the team we talked about a lot. Uh, Detroit is hosting Cincinnati. They're three-and-a-half-point home dogs. And if they lose this game, like, this is one of the few opportunities Detroit has to win this year. I mean, technically, every game's an opportunity. What? But but that secondary, look, Jamar Chase is going to have, like, four touchdowns. I Listen, Cincinnati's not that good, though. This is one of the few chances Detroit has to win this year. If they lose this, winless is just – it's creeping up, that opportunity on the table to go winless. Like, it is real. Oh, I, okay. Uh, a, a, a weird end there. Um <laughs> I, I kind of agree with what Matt said. I think Cincinnati's offense is just too explosive for us. And we were talking about, like, all the hope that the Lions have earlier for the future. They still need to get some players on defense. You're not about to just draft, like, 11 good defensive starters. And right now we have zero. And that will come back to bite us. Uh, Joey Burrow going to go – going to run wild and throw wild all over us. And, yeah, Jamar Chase. Uh, who else is it? Is Boyd playing? Doesn't even matter at this point. Higgins, uh, they Boyd, play, they can put anybody out there and, and smack us around. So another game we're not exciting. You know, we're, we're going to lose. Ryan, when we talked about the last week's game between the Vikings and the Lions, you said that Kirk should have just kept throwing to Jefferson, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Burrow going to just keep throwing to Jamar, and Jamar going to have 215 yards and three touchdowns, and this game is going to be a laugher. Uh, the Bengals offensively just way too much in ways that we suck at stopping right now. It's just the secondary that we don't have. And Jamar Chase is locked in. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase together are locked in. Chase putting up Randy Moss rookie numbers right now. So that's going to continue against our secondary. I don't see us keeping this close. Uh, I think the double-digit win that should have happened last week with the Vikings is happening this week with the Bengals. 
<clears throat> I was. I wanted to find some stats to back up how I felt. Um, but when you're backing the Lions, you quickly learn the statistics are not in your favor. <laughs> I want to say, you know, we could shut down Jamar Chase. Like, are we that bad at pass defense? Worse than the NFL, actually. Somehow worse than Kansas City. Uh, not going to check that box. Uh, do we defend the run? Nope. Do we defend anything? No. Um, do we score the ball? Do we do anything? It, even an average margin, we don't. We're a bad football team. We're a really bad football team. Uh, but that doesn't stop this one from being a split. Because the Lions have to win a football game eventually. And it's not going to come against a good team. It says statistics. Not Maybe not reality, but says statistics. Like, the odds are they win a football game. And the odds are that it's against one of the weaker teams on their schedule, which Cincinnati still is. Uh, one thing that we can kind of do is rush the passer. Cincinnati's offensive line, not spectacular. Get some pressure on Joe Burrow, cause some mistakes. Make something happen. You're at home. You have to win a football game, for God's sakes. AJ, Dylan, they're on this train. Detroit can at least keep it close against a bad football team. The hook, very important here. I am backing Detroit. We're probably foolish. I, I mean, we are foolish, but I, it's just the odds are eventually. Eventually. Uh, to real football teams, Chargers looking really good lately, at least offensively, not so much defensively. Three-point dogs on the road in Baltimore. Man, Lamar Jackson, best passing game ever in the history of the NFL. For that alone, I'm going to take the Ravens. And this is definitely my favorite game um, of the week. Be very exciting. Hopefully the Chargers defense uh, doesn't show up one more time so we can get more more Lamar fireworks. Go Ravens, baby. This is a very, very tough pick for me. Because I don't believe in the Ravens. I just don't. They, they, they've been so damn lucky in these games that they've won. But I still don't think the Chargers are a good team yet either. I do. Uh, yeah, you had that blasphemy last I, year I, too. I do. I do believe Herbert is going to be a fantastic quarterback, already a good quarterback, uh, and he has offensive weapons. And this man has finally answered <laughs> or unlocked the key to the offense that is Mike Williams. Mike Williams was a phenomenal receiver coming out of college, and went to a perfect position in San Diego with Phillip Rivers. And Phillip Rivers never used him. And I could never understand why. Herbert is using him. This man should be wide receiver one. He has all the tools to be wide receiver one. And Herbert is starting to show that he believes this is wide receiver one. And they still have other weapons. There are a ton of weapons on this Charger team. And I got to go with the weapons here. I don't see it with the Ravens. I still don't believe this team is that good. I think they lucky as all hell. I think that luck runs out this week at home. I'm taking the Chargers for the flat out upset. I'm sorry. <clears throat> for some reason, I, I thought someone was here to make a pick, but we're done with picks because AJ abandoned us. I, I, I had to switch my pick, and I, I had to do this a couple times this week when I actually dove into the matchups. Um, I, at first brush, I was like, man, I think the Chargers are a better team than Baltimore and they're getting points. And I always, I always like to get those teams when I'm, when I'm, when I get that opportunity. Uh, but unfortunately I had to switch my pick to Baltimore. Uh, and that gives us a split 
myself, Ryan, and Don on the Baltimore train, the rest of you losers, and I do mean losers, on the Chargers train, even though I want the Chargers to win this game very bad, uh, the Chargers have the worst run defense in the entire NFL. I don't know if you've watched Baltimore the last few years, but their offense is built to do one thing, and that's run the football. And if you can't stop their run, that also makes their pass game legitimately unstoppable. Now, we saw a couple years ago in the playoffs, the Chargers, they had a real sweet setup to defending Baltimore. Uh, they used a ton of defensive backs, like seven defensive backs on the field at a time sometimes. Um ton of defensive backs flooded the field they really shut them down they can't do that this year they don't have the horses like they literally they just can't stop the run and Lamar has actually improved as a passer as much as that pains me to say he's not great but he's still he's improved as a passer he has improved I will say it all right he's not great but he improved yeah that, that means Hollywood great with your hating ass Hollywood you stop how I say it like it is you need to stop it's not Hollywood has been sweet Mark Andrews has been sweet. If they can't stop the run, they're really not going to be able to stop the wide-open guys for the pass. And Lamar, while he will not hit them every time, will hit them plenty. I, this is a tough matchup for the Chargers this year, and I actually like Baltimore in this one a lot, even though I like Chargers overall. That brings us to such a strikingly similar matchup. we got Arizona traveling to Cleveland. Cleveland, three-and-a-half-point home favorite over the undefeated Arizona Cardinals who are just rolling. That's weird. Vegas is telling you something here. Well, I'm I'm still not listening to Vegas. Give me the Cardinals. I'm not not huge on Cleveland, even though Cleveland's what four and one, right? So they haven't looked. Uh, oh no, I guess not because they just lost last week. But obviously their defense looked really bad last week. They looked bad when they faced the Chiefs. Here they face another good offense, where I think their defense will look bad again. And then the Cardinals' defense um, has been pretty. Solid this year, obviously part of the reason that they're five and zero back to back. Give me Lamar, give me Kyler. I'll take all all my quarterback homies here. Um, hey baby, go Cards. Yeah, this is just another game where I don't really believe in either team, but I believe more in the home team in this one. I think it's tough sledding having Stay to go here. to the Midwest uh, in fall where it gets getting a little bit cooler, and you're playing where you know you're. It was seventy eight today. It was what? 78 today. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a, a rainy weekend in the Midwest Northeast, is it not? Uh, just Saturday a little bit. Uh, you sure not Sunday as well? Uh, 100% because I'm going to be in Cedar Point, which is about 45 minutes, nah, an hour from Oh, man, you're going to be little real unhappy when it starts raining out there on Sunday. <laughs> nah, it's going to be it's going to be like 62 and nice. <laughs> it is. It, the weather's going to be fine. I'm, I hate to kill your narrative, but I, I don't want to well, do that I, too. I, I just know for a fact the weather's going to be nice. Still don't fully believe in this Cardinals team yet understandably they're you know they're understand they're the last undefeated team in football and they've won some big games I think Cleveland's going to be a tough environment for them and I'm going to go with the home team in this one to win and what it's a three and oh it's three and a half that's so mean these damn hooks uh we're gonna do it let's do it all the way we'll roll with the we'll roll with the Browns go dogs boo uh, another one that I I had to change my pick when I dove into it. Uh, so I just, I just told you that Baltimore likes to run the ball. There's one team in the NFL that likes to run the ball more in Baltimore. It's probably because their backfield is ridiculous. I, this is not hyperbole. No, this is not hyperbole. They have the best backfield duo in NFL history. Period. Full stop. It's not. And it's not. It's looking close. like it right now. It is. <laughs> it's, it's... It is not close to me. They're literally the best. And it's modern NFL. I know it's different. It's whatever. They run the ball better. 
to Baltimore, and they have more reason to run the ball than Baltimore. Arizona, while having a very good defensive line to rush the passer and having a much improved defense overall, Arizona's the second worst run stop team in the NFL, right behind those Chargers that we just talked about. This is another mismatch of matchups. Do you know Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are going to do this team? If you have them on your fantasy team, start them. They're going to score so many goddamn points. Uh, and, and, then, and then Baker's just going to be able to dink and dunk whenever he wants because they're going to have to devote so many resources to the run game. Uh, but we have a split on this one. Uh, half of you are wrong. Ryan, AJ, Don in the wrong column. Uh, but the rest of us know that Cleveland is going to run all over Arizona to sweet, sweet victory. I don't know. Neither of those running backs practice today. Bunch of bums. Except they, Nick they, Chubb. They, just, they right. just get in that rest. Resting up for their thousand yards they're about to have in a single football game. Is that why uh, Kenneth Walker got the bye week before Michigan? Yep, exactly. Why? Why? <laughs> Every everything, all of it. It's always Michigan. Uh, this one's super interesting. Minutes hating. What do you mean? <laughs> uh, it's not true. That's so untrue. Well, it's not going to be God. true after Matt edits out. But <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they're, they've had a little turmoil. A little turmoil this week. <laughs> so, the, the some weird things happened. Hey, um, hey, Paul, which NFL team is Urban Meyer's favorite team? <laughs> uh, yeah, the heat, it is the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, actually, between the Las Vegas Raiders, the Washington football team, and just all of everything. I mean, Urban, people don't even remember that Urban is coaching in the NFL mm. right now. But it's just, that, that is completely... Just, just gone. The, just the this way he likes is, it. Yo, it's perfect for I him. I don't know what uh, dark evil being that Urban Meyer prays to, obscurity. but apparently it works. <laughs> oh, it works. Toiling away in obscurity on a bad football team. Uh, Las Vegas travels to Denver as three-and-a-half-point dogs. This is a very interesting spot. Like, is your season unraveling here, or are you making a stand? Well, this is an interesting game for your and for yours and Dylan's bet as well. The Raiders and the Broncos obviously going head-to-head. I will take... Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. So this is... I I might need to call in the authorities because a midseason scandal where your coach gets fired, that feels like that feels like bet nullifying. Like, I gotta... Is Vegas the Vegas? Are they gonna refund over or under win totals on this? I gotta know. Like, this is Nah, because if, not... if you can't see John Gruden's a racist, that's on you. This is divine intervention. <laughs> This is divine intervention. This is obvious from the start. Uh, it is only three and a half. You know, I know Matt's been terrified of the hook all year, probably for good reason, because we keep fucking losing. <laughs> He's uh, biting us, man. <laughs> but I like, I don't know, give me give me Denver here. Yeah, I think you had Carl Nassib asking for personal days. I just don't think Vegas is all there mentally, and they have to go on the road in high altitude, whatever they say about Denver. Give me, give me the Broncos. Oh man! If this is a normal week, I'm pretty sure the Raiders are a two and a half point favorite, two point favorite, something like that. If this is a normal week of football, no scandals, nothing happened because Denver is not a good team. They're not a terrible team, but they're not a good team. The Raiders have shown to be semi decent and 
you think they're the better football team, but there is a lot of turmoil going on right now. There is a ton of outside noise. I don't know how you're supposed to block all of that out. Keep your focus. I know these guys are professionals, but they're still human beings, and they just lost their head coach that they not in a million years thought they was going to be fired and leave in the middle of a season. It's just too much. I, I got to go with the home ones on this one. I, I think Denver wins this one by more than they should because of all this noise. I am the lone dissenter in the universe. I hope of you right. right. I hope you right. Listen, listen. First of all, let's let's talk about Denver real quick. We talked enough about the Raiders this week. People in general have actually. I don't even. How did Gruden not come up on podcast? I don't even know. Because uh, we'd rather we, we, we weren't trying to dive all the way into that mud. It's it's fine. We're, we're not it's, we're not Urban Meyer with with a girl. And it's gonna right get worse. It's gonna it's gonna get so much worse. <laughs> trying to go NFL. all the way in that mud. Uh, more news coming out tonight, and we'll just continue to come out. But Denver has only beaten very bad football teams, and they looked good doing it, but they've only beaten very bad football teams. And then they played a decent Ravens team, and they got killed. And then they played a, Ra- a Steelers team that wasn't very good, I don't think. I don't, does anyone think the Steelers are that good this year? Um, they got a hell of a running back, tell you by that. The Steelers pretty sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, Najee Harris looking pretty sweet. Uh, former Michigan student for a whole day. He's like, wait, uh, I got to go to school? No. I'll tell you guys the uh, backstory one day. Uh, no, Denver is not good. They look good when they play bad teams. The Raiders are not a bad team. Three and a half points, way too much. Uh, and I, I think they actually come out hyper-focused to make a statement. Like, hey, uh, yeah, we hear all the noise and the nonsense, but we're still a football team and we're here to play and win football games. And I think they're going to put it behind them. And I actually think, I mean, the Raiders – for like the last handful of games, you're getting like 14-0 holes on the regular. Um, I think they actually start hot in this one and really get this thing turned around this week. I, I don't know if things are going to stay together the rest of the season, but this week uh, I feel good about them. And that brings us to our Monday night capper, another good Monday night football game that Matt just last year insisted that we didn't have good Monday night games. This is the best slate we've had in years on ESPN. Uh, Buffalo traveling to, ten- traveling to Tennessee is five-and-a-half-point road favorites. I think uh, I think Buffalo is going to keep showing out on primetime. I don't think Tennessee has a good defense, just like the Chiefs didn't. So I expect a a, sim- a very similar game to what we saw the Bills do to the uh, the Chiefs in Sunday Night Football this week. They'll just do it uh, about twenty four hours later. Uh, I don't think we're going to see the same thing we saw because the difference is that Tennessee can run the football. And running the football is clock control, which is not going to give the Bills as many offensive chances as the Chiefs were able to give them. I like how many points Buffalo is is getting in this one. I think Tennessee stays inside of it. I think King Henry does enough to chew up enough clock and stay inside the game. I don't think Tennessee wins this football game, but I don't think they lose by, by more than five points. So I will go with the Titans. I just hope we get the Manning cast. This this week of picks has been very stat based for me, um, matchup based. I, I'm going with my gut on this one, and that's going to create a split here. We got not a split. I'm sorry, actually, very surprisingly, not a split. Matt, you took Tennessee, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So uh, just Ryan and Don on Buffalo, actually, which is surprising after the monster game they had last week that by the way i told you guys was coming i don't i think you guys remember on the podcast i was like yeah buffalo's gonna kick their ass uh buffalo's class of the afc period absolutely 
Uh, Tennessee's been slightly disappointing, but they're still a decent football team. Still got a nice little positive win-loss record. Still fighting for the AFC South. Get a playoff berth. <sighs> Buffalo is the better team. If these if these teams match up in the playoffs, and this is a spread, I'm taking Buffalo. But Buffalo is coming off the highest of highs last week. Just pummeled who they viewed coming into the season as their chief rival in the AFC. Ayo. Chief competition in the AFC. Ayo. And uh, what? Uh, chief rival oh, and oh, chief competition. No yeah, yeah. Okay, I was. I, I. I thought. I thought you said Ao, and I thought you said something different. Um, and I was very confused for a second. I'm. I'm sorry. Matt will clean that up. Uh, Tennessee can run the ball much better than the Chiefs can. They're at home. This is a huge game for them. I five and a half points is a lot. I'm going to take Tennessee on a feeling, even though again when the chips are down in the playoffs, I think it'd be a little different. But I will take Tennessee in this one. As are Matt, Matt, AJ, and Dylan. Uh, so a little bit surprised for the health. But that wraps picks this week. Hopefully, we are trending up because, man, has it been a rough season. <laughs> I don't know how we all can. Some of us can. Some of us can't. We got a lot of dissension in these picks. But that's what makes it so much fun. Ryan. Dissension five, of being be, be wrong. five and five. <laughs> to the thing. Oh, no. No unanimous picks this week. Uh, a good sign, I guess. Uh, I, our unanimous picks are usually pretty good. Usually, I don't know. We don't. We don't get any any record keeping. Uh, but you guys, the, if, you can open if, the spreadsheet. If one of you guys wanted to keep record for us, all you would have to do is obviously listen to the podcast. If you made it this far, congratulations, you already did that. So make sure that you subscribe so you can keep on record keeping for us. Subscribe on Spotify, Podbean iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I guess it's called. I don't even know if iTunes exists anymore. Make sure you follow us on social media, which is YouTube, Sports Carnage Podcast, Michigan State Video, getting a thousand views. What's up? Beating the shit out of our Michigan video. It's foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> they're kicking the lion's ass, too. I, I had to figure that out, why, why those don't do anything. So, guys, run those numbers up. Just quit watching the Michigan State ones. Watch the other ones. And then make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well, which is Sports Carnage Podcast. For AJ Riley, Ryan Griffin, Paul Roshan, I'm Matt Basson. We are Sports Carnage. Thank you for spending a couple hours with us this week. We'll be back with you all next week.